0: To following the leftovers, the officially unofficial podcast for the leftovers on HBO. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron, and today we're talking about the season finale for season two, uh, season two, episode ten, titled "I Live Here Now." Uh, I think I just watched and
1: witnessed what might be the finest season of television I've ever seen. You're not wrong. Like okay, good. I've always said when we've had this, thing, like, well, you know, man, I really love season three and four of The Wire, like as a unit. Like, I those are like, <sighs> and my... I've been like season four of Breaking Bad, sure, best of all time, like. And you know, The Wire still has the it's important thing to hang its hat on, but uh-huh. yeah, I and I get it. This is this is recency bias. This is the sports announcer saying that's the greatest comeback <laughs> we've ever seen. Yeah, but damn, I. I've never had such a, like since the last season of far, of uh, the leftovers have I had this kind of catharsis in watching television and really felt like I went on an almost spiritual journey. Hmm, okay. Even more so, like it's I mean this season was already twice as good as last season of the leftovers, and I thought last season was crazy good. It was my uh, you know is in my top three, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's, it's certainly the most jaw dropping thing I've seen since like the season one of true detective, which I was really fond of. Yeah. Yeah. I, I,
0: the thing that they, they really did here that I felt pushed it over the top is double down on the things that worked in the first season. Yes. And kind of withdrew from the things that didn't work. So plus well. all the
1: chances they took. That's true. And that's like yeah. reading, like I read a ton of, like you, I read a ton of reviews and and uh, retrospectives. Because yeah. uh, Damon Lindelof feels like he is going all out. He wants to save this show, and he's trying to give it as much press as possible. Plus, I think he likes mm-hmm. to talk. Um, what what good creative type doesn't like to sure, talk? Sure, uh, talk about their work. <laughs> um, but I just came away of just how impressed I was that they went for these big chances and didn't know that they were going to work. Like, are people going to laugh us out of the building when we get to the hotel episode? <laughs> international
0: assassin, yeah. Are they
1: going to see the twist coming with Evie and her three, her two friends? Uh, are they going to continue to be patient with these single point of views when they want to get back to the main characters? Are they going to, yeah. you know, moving away from Mapleton? And we talked about how much the, kind of the dreary, cold landscape in upstate New York added to that kind of season and go to texas Mm -hmm. and every one of their experiments paid off
0: certainly for me and i i can still understand why people might not like this show sure Uh, it's not everybody's cup of tea but man for me this season just clicked on every level
1: and uh the leftovers wins the week
0: come come on man (laughs)
1: like i not you know it's, i'm not going to talk about this in fargo cuz it's kind of uh, i've seen fargo and yeah. it's going to be a bummer of a podcast for me unless Ooh. my subsequent viewings really change my opinion but you know there is a show that i think takes a lot of big creative risks and most of the time pays off but every, every season so far on fargo there's been one that just it jerks me right back out, reminds me You are watching a television show. (laughs) And The Leftovers, man. The Leftovers. And the the fact that they did the single POV every episode until the last two was so brilliant. Because by the time they changed the format, we were ready for it. Mm -hmm. Like, everything was primed to just go off and play on each other. Everything that they had set up was just ready to play. And we talked about how... Eh, it's kind of disappointing last week how there was a little bit of kind of leading the characters by the jaws to get them to where they needed to be. But I forgive all of that.
0: Yeah, I mean, the way – so it's totally warranted that they break from this POV, uh, this tightly focused POV thing to do kind of more more ensemble things and more like um, bigger things because the thematic point of this season – is going to be bringing together these families here in yeah. Jarden, right? Yeah, and to say, okay, now we're showing you the family p- perspective, the family POV. I Hell think yeah. that works so well,
1: and it's such a great—it's such a great inversion of the season of uh, premiere. Uh, oh, the Axis Monday yeah. Cave Woman losing thing? her family versus Kevin yeah. coming home from the earthquake, gaining his family. It's such a great counterpart to last season and, and that's the thing like i said i think like man what's the odds that they can do the same thing of last season where they can fully wrap up things i felt like this could be a season <laughs> finale this could be a series finale See, certainly and yeah. i don't feel like yes there's some questions i want some answers to but they're more like i could have fun endlessly debating these things for years to come i don't need more i want more but yeah once stuff again like- Like, John, right, and his relationship with Virgil. What exactly went on there? Well, we don't know, but honestly, it doesn't matter. And also, what happens between 9 p.m. and 3 a.m. with the girls getting to the swimming hole? Like, that's the biggest problem, I think, in this episode. And Yeah. Which I'm going to talk talk a lot about. I I
0: didn't notice the timing on that, because I have a huge problem with the timeline if it's just, like, they drove straight there.
1: I don't think that's... You know and I, it and can't be that's their yeah I don't want to spoil the conversation we okay. are going to have and yeah I've, I've just got derailed I can't remember what I was thinking about uh but no it's a it's a great I, I cannot believe that they did what they did in the first season even more successfully mm-hmm. uh and I just feel so satisfied and so gratified as a fan in these interviews with Lindelof and Perota and Reza aslan oh hell yeah have just deepened my appreciation for how much again it feels so good to have a crew of people giving a shit about the f- show as much as I do as a fan. Yeah, and I talked, you
0: know, briefly about that on The Walking Dead cast and how I have read all these interviews and I came away thinking, you know what, these people really think about not only what they want to do in the show, but how to best do it, you know, like, yeah. we want to have these characters do these specific things, but if we unveil them in a way that isn't emotional and yeah. isn't dramatic they're yeah. useless
1: and also how much they do addition by subtraction like there's a long sequence where seppenwald i believe was talking to lindelof and he said in the hotel we had a whole bunch of ideas for these vignettes that kevin could go by and they're like what the fuck is going on but mm-hmm. like we don't want this to be what the fuck just for what the fuck's sake yeah like every single thing in there is going is is means something Mm-hmm. And will pay off, so it makes you think like you know um the the one thing that I kind of'm scratching my head about at this point is the lady speaking Spanish trying to get the heart in the right place, will that pay off or the fact that Mary was there getting <laughs> will that stuff pay off um so real before we move away from these Lindelof interviews, there is mm-hmm. a downside or a potential worry, and obviously, I just declared this the greatest episode, the greatest series of television I think I've ever seen, so. You know, calibrate your <laughs> scales for criticism accordingly. Okay, L- Lindelof, uh you know, refused to speculate on supernatural versus natural things as he's wont to do, mm-hmm. but he did say that the writers' writing team was very careful to research, and they intended all, all these things, or Kevin shot, Kevin returned the dead, to still be ambiguous. Like, contrasting Erica's statement that it was medically un- impossible for that bird to survive 30 hours buried the way it was, to presumably it is medically possible for Kevin to survive the particular place he was shot.
0: Okay. Yeah. It
1: is possible for someone that's taking this whatever poison they had in mind to be underground buried for eight hours in loosely packed soil without dying. Yeah. Does that bother you? Because I feel like ninety percent, ninety nine percent of the people came away from this episode saying, "By God, supernatural shit." Aside from, of course, the departure, um, is is a foregone conclusion. I'm Kevin of is people, Jesus yeah. Christ. Kevin is a prophet. I yeah. So well, I
2: don't. I don't
0: know that I go that far even. Um, about who in particular Kevin is or what his role in this all
1: is. Yeah, and I feel like I'm strangely liberated. Like, I don't need to take a dog in that fight. Like, it will either be fully revealed in the fullness of time or whatever. Like, at some point, I'm bothered, though, that there is a a shelf life for how long they can keep treading this line and saying, well, maybe it's supernatural, maybe it's not, because eventually the coincidences mount up, but then I keep thinking about... When I really read the subtext of these interviews, that these guys want to talk about religion. And there's this interesting quote uh, where – I couldn't remember if it was Perota or uh, Lindelof said it. But he said, you know, if you look at nativity scenes or passion scenes from, like, the Middle Ages where they have, like, Jesus as an apostle, they're all wearing, like, contemporary clothing. Okay. You know, like when people imagine Jesus, it was like you know they didn't think about oh well they you oh know, they dressed in different garb and they had different climates. It's like you know these people in in England were and France and were painting them in medieval clothes because it was this personal sure. kind of reimagining. And the kind of the leftovers is a little bit of a modern meditation on religion. How did religions form, and that's one of the reasons they and brought Reza. Yeah. It's one of the reasons they brought Reza As- Aslan on board to be like, you're a scholar that studied mm-hmm. how religions formed. We are playing with these nouveau religions. How would the internal politics work?s How would they struggle? And that's why it feels so kind of realistic and fluid because they've got yeah. this guy who studied this and has got the credentials weighing in on it. And so all, I've all talked that- both sides there. Like I don't if if it, I'm in it's so weird to have you say that you're on board completely with the supernatural at this point. Uh, Sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I,
0: yeah, I, I tend to, you know, look for the realism and stuff. And so when I'm presented with a fictional universe, the first thing I'm looking for is how does this relate to me? Where, where am I at in this place? And over the course of two seasons, I've been consistently told stop thinking about that, I guess, And think more about, like you said, the, how how the people are reacting to this, what would be their first instinct, um, how people deal in general with death. Like that's the thing I think is so interesting about the religion angles is that they're all based on human experiences, right? Like whatever you yes. think of religion, if it's if it's true, if it's false, whatever, people believe those things because of the experiences they have in their lives. And, yes. and so after this crazy experience of the sudden departure – You've got to imagine all of these things would be happening, and and what they mean for the people involved is the most interesting part of it. And so, like, yeah, I've come over to the side where I think this is probably, like, supernatural occurrences going on, mm-hmm. but I don't know that it matters all that much.
1: Well, I think it's interesting that in the concept of meditation religion because I, I, I found myself as I was thinking yesterday, I was pondering this Monday morning uh, – Man, okay, so what Lindloff is saying is that it's possible that Kevin could survive this gunshot and not die. It's possible for him to drink this poison and be buried for eight hours and not die. It's possible for this coincidence of this earthquake to happen at the exact point that he throws himself in in this uh this river. But all those things like, okay, as you layer the possible it's like flipping the coin. Like, okay, it's possible to flip two heads, it's possible five, it's possible to flip twenty-five. It's possible to 100, but it gets less and less likely. But then I yeah. start thinking in terms of like how life got here on Earth. Sure. And the fact that we don't fully understand all the mechanisms of how like life originated, like the, the theory of uh, a biogenesis and like, uh-huh. receded from space. And they kind of like, uh, you know, I, I went back to my fundamentalist teachings. And one of the things they like to do to disprove evolution is to ask you to consider just as a proposition, the mind boggling Odds against intelligent life arriving on this planet. The the problem with that argument is that no, no. I look okay. I'm not. Right. I'm not. Sure. I'm not yep. teaching creation here. Gotcha. I'm just
0: saying that there's a big this, glaring flaw. I'll try to find it.
1: <laughs> isn't Isn't this interesting that this show is asking and like I'm having these like real time revelations. Like, uh, if I'm going to balk about mind-numbing coincidences it's perfectly possible there's nothing the natural law that says you can't flip a hit a coin and have it land heads a hundred times in a row and in a universe of infinite possibilities and infinite space and not an infinite time but vast quantities mind-boggling quantities of time that something like that could happen and what if this Mm -hmm. moment in time is what's happening and this is all rational but it looks irrational kind of like i said in last season like I do believe that if some lunatic says that the earth is going to be destroyed at a particular date and that date happens to be the time <laughs> when a giant comet or yeah. meteor hits the earth, 99% of the the earth that's remaining is going to be a religious. Okay. Because that's sure. just such a coincidence that we can't accept it with our we're going to go back to the the monkey mind. And I mm-hmm. I love the fact that this show has got me thinking in those directions. Yeah, no, it's interesting. And and it
0: Having everything kind of thrown up in the air with this initial sudden departure is the catalyst for what I feel has been a very natural arc for all of these characters, including the people I don't like, the GR. Um, Sure. uh, Like the the religions that have sprung up around it that I have a natural tendency to dislike. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think all of those are natural reactions to something like this. And
1: I also love it that, wow, we've got the counterpart because, like, Meg and Kevin showdown at the end – where she's just got this, and even her and Tommy, she's got this cynical, smug, evil worldview and how glee, how much glee she's taken yeah. in shattering these people's lives. And Kevin's like, fuck this, I'm going home to people that love me. Mm. And it's weird that, like, The Walking Dead has become a garbage show this season, but some of the conversations they have have informed my enjoyment of the leftovers <laughs> and vice versa. Like, there's this, throw, there's this throwaway line Rosita mentions about, like, Yes, the world is meaningless, so you have to find your own meaning. You have to find something you care about more than yourself, and that's the solution to sure. getting by. And I feel like The Leftovers is saying that same thing, and that's something that I personally went through. I thought that life had a plan. I thought that life had someone you know, greater than myself looking after me. Mm-hmm. I thought that I didn't have to worry about death and dying and saying goodbye to people because I'll see them again. And when that rug got pulled out from underneath me, I had to rebuild my life ethics and morality from scratch sure and i'm watching these people in the show go through that same groveling in the dirt trying to figure out how they yeah. a meaning out of existence and doing it and it's so satisfying and i wonder how much of our personal
0: experience with religion is is kind of coloring our view of the series like is it Isn't it really as good as we think if we didn't have this personal connection to it, right? Well, so
1: I think that's – I actually had a discussion right before we sat down. I was waiting for you to do something. I got on Reddit, and someone's like, help me understand this show. And I commented to them, you might not be able to. Like, you might lack the personal Mm. experience. Or, like, if you don't have a – if you haven't had a major tragedy that really sets you back, or – you're a much healthier individual and you just deal with that with, in very healthy ways, you might not get this because I don't think you have to have our religious experience, but I think if you've had a death oh, of a child or a death yeah. of a parent or a death of a friend or you've dealt with addiction or you've been in an abusive relationship, these are the things you need to kind of connect with this show or to be super empathetic to kind of extrapolate, you know, that that kind of have a uh, your heart on your sleeve to get the full impact. Yeah. And if you don't – absolutely if you don't, I don't know. I mean, that might be the missing link. Like, super healthy, highly actuated people might look at the show and, like, this is a bunch of crazy people. Yeah. And people that haven't had a serious personal tragedy that's affected them might be like, I don't get it. Yeah, and I I mean. But fortunately, there's a lot more broken people in the world than not. So you got a few million people watching a show just completely losing their shit about it. That's the thing, right? Like,
0: <laughs> nearly everyone is touched by something. That, yes. That they can at least use as a touchstone for this show uh i i personally think i identify a lot with kevin um kind of you know having having this real bad experience and kind of withdrawing right and not not wanting to be as connected to people like like patty was saying you know this is the thing we need to do and i think you know i correctly read into how false her sense of uh of procedure was there like how ridiculous it is to just kind of withdraw from everything and say you know what none of this has a point so let's all just stop it Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, here in this episode, we get Kevin doing exactly the opposite, right? Which is searching desperately and in the end, finding his family yeah, a, as that, that kind of core that he needs to, to have a reason to have meaning and to go on. So I, I think like this episode bore out how false or at least how empty Patty's advice was Sure, Patty's goal last episode or well, you know, international assassin, not last episode.
1: Um, before we move on to other things, before we get too much, I feel like we already just jumped, you know, we're like Kevin with the cinder block. We just jumped feet first in this episode. Eh, it's going to happen. Uh, I want to have the payoff to last week we talked about the guilty remnant meeting in the HBO offices in New York. Um, that occurred, and I think there was a few dozen people, mm-hmm. which actually people are like, oh, a few dozen people in New York City. It actually looks really cool. Like, those people all in white standing on the sidewalk holding up the sign (laughs) Renew, Uh smoking in front of this building was a really cool image. It got picked up by Variety. There was a video on it in the New York Post. A lot of, like, the media is picking up on it. And, you know, if you're one of the ones that wants in the third season of The Leftovers, uh, there's this hashtag, RenewTheLeftovers, on Twitter. I came out of Twitter retirement just so I could hit the hashtag. Um, It's an easy way you can do to kind of, like, I know there's some petitions going around. Um I would be absolutely shocked if they don't come back. I don't need them to. Like yeah, the yeah, story yeah. doesn't require it. There are no cliffhangers and there's just only satisfaction, but I would sure like the story to continue.
0: From the sounds of the interviews I read with Lindelof, uh they're talking with HBO right now and we will know one way or another by January. Like somewhere around January.
1: Yeah. So they uh, they
0: want to push this through and fast track it. Either way it goes, you know.
1: Now the finale was the highest rated episode the season. Okay. After kind of slept and then stabilizing. It's still quite a bit lower than last season, but there's a lot of reasons why that could be, you know. Yeah. Sunday Time night slot, football, sure. Walking dead. The yeah. fact that this is just a uh, it's not I mean that's the thing, like this is not a depressing show. You will feel sad and depressed at points, but if you stick with it, I feel like it's an uplifting show. I think the end. But you have <laughs> yeah, to go through is. that emotional journey so you can experience that. you got to push the little, you got to push the little girl down the well yeah. so you can come home. This is not an easy show to it's watch. It's not an easy no. show to
0: watch. But it's rewarding if you do.
1: Yes. Yes.
0: So, all right. Uh, where do we start with this freaking episode? <laughs> uh,
1: I don't know. What did you think at the beginning? Let's start at the beginning. What did you think of – I thought it was – Weird how they did a very long fade into fade from black into the intro, mm-hmm. like with this this hip hop music going, and I'm like waiting for the episode to start, waiting for an episode to start, and they kind of show like the first two or three minutes is stuff we already saw from the first episode, but it was interesting how like it really contextualizes. I remember saying that like the girl staring at Kevin. With amused expressions on their faces. like Mm -hmm. I was like, what the hell is Kevin? Is he just like a magnet for underage girl attention? Sure. What's going on? Piece of man meat.
0: What do you want? (laughs) But now
1: I see that as much more cynical and like cosmic joke. Welcome to Jarden, fuckers. You Hmm. think you're going to be safe? You just spent a million dollars in his house or three million on his house. Wait till you see what's going to happen now. Yeah. You're in a world of shit. Yeah, I suppose there's that. You just had dinner with the Murphys. Oh. I mean, like, you know, it's got to so be. So I'm I'm curious. I'm also thinking like
0: they're maybe they're kind of going all out one last time. Like this run through the woods still has me a little confused. Like I'm wondering so how long this whole thing has been planned with Evie? Um how they how they perceived it, how the girls got into it and perceived it. Because, like, we don't really have any clue on that. No. And that's but some of like,
1: the open questions that I think that I have no doubt will be answered if we get a third season.
0: Yeah. And, and, like, running through the woods is a little confusing to me. Although, I think that could be just one last hurrah. Like, let's go have a great time
1: before we give up this life. Well, also, just... Meg is meticulous planner. I saw some theories that, if in context of what we saw now, that... We know that they had a search party. They were using dogs. Mm-hmm. Meg might have anticipated that, and she instructed the girls to run naked around the woods to, like, spread their scent in a wide area to mask where they were actually going to go. Because, <laughs> obviously, if the dogs okay. just made a beeline to uh, presumably the tunnel uh-huh. that they – you with know, the bolt cutters cut their way through that was introduced in the Mad episode – that would be a lot less mysterious. Oh, we went this tunnel. Oh, the thing's been cut. Oh, fuck us. You know, like... They didn't depart, sure. Yeah, so yeah. it could be a simple tactical decision. And that might also explain, like, I think the biggest problem... I have no idea how long a scent lasts. From, I don't either. From a human being, from and a dog. And I don't dog. think it's super important, other yeah. than, like, if that's what Meg wanted them to do. And it also could go a long way to explaining what happened between... Cause, There's a timeline problem. I got at least a dozen emails, people saying, loved the episode, thought it was great, but... And the but is, we know... Let's say that the Murphy's family barbecue winded down somewhere between 8 or 9. That seems reasonable, 10 at the latest. Okay, sure. Uh, They're going home, the girls pick them up, we know that the earthquake happened around 3 o'clock in the morning. Because that's when Nora woke up, right? Where the fuck... Were those girls – and we know Kevin. Kevin's plausible. Kevin, you know, laid down to Nora. She went to sleep. He went to sleep. He wakes up between 11 and midnight, staggers over to Virgil's place. Yep. Gets the pep talk, finds the – and wanders over. His time, I think, is largely accounted for. What were the girls doing in those five to six hours? Do you – is it – It's turning into the serial podcast. <laughs> it's not – but the thing is, is, like, after reading all these interviews with Lindelof and, and 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 company – there's not a doubt in my mind that they know exactly where those girls are, that it is significant, and if they get another season, we'll find out about it.
0: It's surprising that they never, no one brings it up. Like, I didn't see a single interview where anybody brought that timeline stuff up to them. Hmm. Nobody, yeah. nobody even posed the question. So, That's, like, I'm with you. I have a lot of faith in these guys now. Yeah. Uh, and it's just a whole writing staff across the board here, but I, I'm confused to that as well.
1: But I just like what, I mean, what are the odds that that's just a massive, now that will be the one thing I think fans endlessly debate. Yeah. And knowing Lindelof like I do, if the show doesn't get renewed, I'm assuming that we'll have to wait a couple years maybe, but they'll start to be rumors slowly trickling out about what they meant to do or. Uh uh, But that's something I could see being a debate amongst fans, kind of like in the the Sopranos ending. Like, what do you believe happened there?
0: the other thing that gives me you know reason to believe that they at least have an answer is that they also did the same thing you know with how ambiguous they were about whether there's supernatural stuff occurring they talk about lindelof talks about how they made a decision in the writers room they know like they have a definitive answer to that question uh-huh. but they did purposely leave it ambiguous for the viewers yeah. because they had to write to something right sure. so they were they were like okay we need to make this decision and let's move forward writing something that could be plausible on either side. But
1: What would you make of their reaction to seeing Kevin standing there looking at him? Like, what the fuck look they had? Well, I don't think like, that's appropriate. It's weird because I feel like the girls were all over the map except for Evie. Evie was kind of like, I guess, the Meg version of their little group. She's oh, committed she's and diehard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And... It, it, like, kind of like seeing this guy who just came to Jarden, a miracle, killing himself, I feel like whatever worldview she has, that fit right into it. Yeah. Like, of course yeah. this guy's going to kill himself. This is meant to be.
0: And she probably doesn't care. The the other thing is, like... It's one less loose end. Th- that's the thing. They feel like, oh, we may have just been caught here. Yeah. If this guy doesn't jump into the water, they're what do they do?
1: I don't know. I guess they don't have weapons.
0: Yeah, they're going to either have to go deal with him or call the plan they're off going to take off the or... clothes
1: and run naked at him <laughs> i don't know what
0: kevin would run for the that's hills man this what shit has do? happened too many times yeah yeah not again <laughs> not this amy shit again yep uh so yeah i don't, I don't know that's an interesting thing but it, it seemed like they were like "Oop, we're we're caught and then he jumped in and they're like okay good
1: what do you think of michael's reaction to finding out that heaven looks like a hotel room or it looks like a hotel
0: Uh, what was his reaction? I don't remember his reaction.
1: Okay, that's interesting, because I was really trying to figure it out. And it was, it was the, it was the expression, I interpreted it as the expression that, like, a little kid has when they're coming to grips with the idea that Santa Claus is really your parents putting together presents. Okay. Kind of like... trying to recontextualize everything he knows. It's very interesting... He's 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 recontextualizing everything that he's thought about it with in light of this new information and vaguely disappointed too. <laughs> I can imagine if you're picturing the pearly gates or whatever and you hear yeah. it's a hotel like I Michael's very interesting because he's been pers- portrayed as this kind of paragon of, of Christian virtue mm-hmm. yet in this episode we find out that he's have a lot of personal demons and doubt yeah and he's been lying for
0: a very long time. He's
1: been covering up to spare his parents' feelings, and it's like, you know, it's like, man, I really want to see him and Jill's reactions, and, like, I'm I'm really interested in seeing what their relationship looks like at the end of this. Like, how much of this can Kevin share with people? Like, is next season just going to be him like, no, I'm not making it up. I came back from the dead three times. Yeah.
0: Uh All, all good questions. I don't know the answer. Like, I feel like we have to wait for a season three. Yeah. Because... Like, the way that Nora took it, I don't think is going to be the same way that Lori or Jill are going to take it. I mean, maybe Jill. Jill seemed to take it okay when he
1: said, you know, I tied up Patty and she killed herself. Because it's interesting, Nora as on has, is on a different arc than Kevin. Because Nora's thing is, like, she, in the back of her mind, had this nagging doubt that this is a real supernatural thing that's happened again. Uh-huh. And then she has, like, this one payoff this where she finally finds out that the girls come back. Oh, I guess they did departed. I was right this whole time. Yeah. Uh so now she's kind of like jerked back onto the road of rationality and Kevin like regardless of what actually happened to him there's no way Kevin doesn't believe that he's special and that he's sure. been through special events. And John seems like he's believing um
0: Yeah. Yeah. A lot of a lot of minds changed in this final episode, I think.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. Now, when he said, when, when Michael said, is she still there? And he was like, Patty? No, she's gone. From the moment he said that, I was really listening for Patty's footsteps in the rest of the episode. I was worried that she would show up again, which I think would tilt the the scale right back into rationality. Sure. If she's still there, then that implies that these experiences he had was, norm- was meaningless, and he's just going through yet more biochemical craziness.
0: And at the same time, it doesn't swing it the other way that she didn't show up, right? Like, no. Maybe he just dealt with his demons and he's done.
1: Sure, yeah. Now he's, he's a little healthier. Yeah, there's, the, there's always the placebo effect. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you, 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 guy tells you you're going to go on this shamanistic vo- death voyage, and then it happens, and you wake up. That's a pretty fucking good placebo, if that's what it is. Sure. You wake it's up underground, damn, by the way. <laughs> pretty damn good placebo. Uh-huh. And then the same 24-hour period, you get shot go through it again, come back again. Yeah, there's no way he doesn't realize uh hey, something special about me. On top of trying to drown yourself and surviving that. Yeah.
0: Yeah, he's been saved 3 times now at this point. Uh Do you recall like during that earthquake scene with the water draining, did did we see like the, I guess, the bubbles from Kevin stop or anything? Like, is there any indication whether no, he's dead underwater? No, it like there's a steady or...
1: stream of bubbles that happened up until the earthquake event.
0: Okay, so it's not necessarily that he died underwater and was brought
1: back again. But that's, like, you know, the, that's the show's equivalent of asking how many uh, angels can dance on a pinhead.
0: Well, the reason I'm going there is because a lot of people are like, oh, the third coming of Christ, and, like, he was resurrected from the dead three times, and, like, all these, like nebulous connections to being some messiah or jesus figure based on the number of times he's come back and i don't think that has anything to do with it
1: well but i mean bubbles coming up uh what does that mean it indicates that he still has air in his lungs or his escaping i mean have you jumped into a large body of water with a a Like, there's bubbles coming to the surface for a, a pretty long time regardless there are, yeah. So it's like, I don't know that you can say that he's dead or not dead, or like if he went in and it instantly took a, a lung full of air. Because didn't he spit up water? I don't remember. Uh, it's been too long. But yeah, like I, I I feel like people saying that he died and was resurrected three times is a completely legitimate thing to say. Maybe. But it's it weird also because might not I be also sure. want to tie that into Jesus, and that's not what Jesus did. I know. Did.
0: Yeah. I don't understand that part of it.
1: Uh, these theories that are going around. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. From what I've
0: seen, the facts as it stands to me are Kevin has come back at least twice from the dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, both times of which he ended up in this hotel. Different things happened to him.
1: I'm fine with calling it three times. Yeah, I mean maybe I just don't think Virgil did it. To yeah. you know, Virgil says it as well. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, it seems like it's again it's it's angels dancing on a pinhead. Um. So what about we find out what's in the box? Sure we did, yeah. We've said, like, that was one of our leading theories. It's the cricket in the box. It's not... It's ambiguous whether it is the cricket. Sure. It could be a
0: false cricket. What is... Here's the problem with the cricket gift. You give your dad a dead cricket that isn't the real cricket, and the next day the cricket starts chirping again.
1: What What would that tell him? Well, but that's the thing, like, I don't... That's what I thought was interesting about the whole Erica-John fight, that cricket could have been alive when she put it in there, and it just died, because there's sure. no air holes. Yeah. And it could have been still alive when it was, when when Eric was left there alone singing in the box. Mm-hmm. Unless... So it, it might be the same cricket? It could, so yeah, it's like, I don't think we'll ever know. There's no way to define... Defi- well, I guess Eric, and or um, Evie knows. So It's more important,
0: the message that it's sending to John. Yes. Fucking so let it go, dude. Let this shit go.
1: Move on with your life. But that's not, I don't, so that's not what Evie was telling him. What was Evie telling him? Are, are you certain about that?
0: I mean, that's the Why conclusion that, that Erica comes to. Why would the guilty remnant
1: to? tell anyone to let something go? That's not their M.O.
0: I don't, I mean, Meg is a different breed of guilty remnant. She's not there for the same purpose.
1: That's true. What is, okay, so let's segue into that. What is Meg's purpose?
0: I feel like Meg's major purpose is revenge. She wants everyone to feel the same pain that she feels, and the fact that this Jarden place has been spared entirely from it is something she's unable to tolerate.
1: I agree. She's an angry, angry person, and she is lashing out. That's how I felt about it. She is co-opting the the guilty remnant religion to morph it into, not necessarily a more violent, although they're not shy of doing violence, but definitely a more confrontational and reactionary movement.
0: Now, that raises questions for me as to why Evie is participating. Because
1: I didn't get any necessarily, like, anger from her. Yeah, but this thing, she's in a lot of pain. And anger is a a valid emotional reaction to experiencing pain. Sure. And that's the thing, like, I don't understand why she's in pain, I guess. And I don't even think Michael does, because Michael's reaction to the same stimulus was different than his sister's. But she had a hard time dealing with her dad being a murderer, attempted murderer to her grandfather and not understanding why. So this lends,
0: I think this lends itself to kind of the discussion we had about the conversation between Erica and Evie that we don't actually hear, but we see it's kind of an angry, it has this urgent tone to it. And I feel like she is aware of what her dad's been doing and that's kind of where her anger comes from. And she needs to change his mind about it. The thing because is, he's like, just going to get put away again, and he's going to leave her again, right? Like I,
1: I am kind of also concerned. Well, but the thing is, this guilty remnant plot's been in motion for far longer, obviously, than that I, a conversation with her mom. I don't sure, but that's the part we see of it. I don't understand all of that, and that's a more fertile ground to revisit in the, in the next season. Um, yeah, but yeah, those are all those are those are all interesting.
0: I do feel like I haven't totally digested this episode yet. No, yeah, it's and crazy what it means for every I've, character. I've
1: seen it three times. Here's the other crazy yeah. thing: uh, I got misty-eyed four or five times, and outright sobbed the first time I watched. Um, uh huh. The second time through, I got misty-eyed just as many times, and it actually got two sobs out of me. And the third time, like it was, it's consistent. Like I'm not getting any. Emo- I'm not getting any armor. Any any kind of uh, uh, I'm not I'm not getting uh, habituated to the exposure. It, in fact, yeah. I'm finding myself tearing up sooner now that I know the moment's coming. And then like uh, when sure. the when the musical hammer drops, it's just just destroying me. But yeah, no, I'm, I I agree. Like this could be I could use a, a a couple more days or even weeks to digest some of this stuff.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I. Man, I don't know. So, so much of this is like inter intermingled, intertangled with the rest of the the show.
1: What do you? Th- so that's why I, th- I thought it was interesting. John saying "fuck you, Erica," yeah, which is a counterpart to uh, Kevin's "fuck you, Lori" from season one. Okay, which we always fuck. said like that's a sting. Like that's a that was a "fuck you" that stays with you. That sticks to your ribs. It was with John too. That was a Oof. devastating "fuck you." Did- <laughs> yeah. Did Erica deserve it?
0: No. No, I don't think Erica deserves it. I think Erica has been putting up with his
1: shit I, okay, for a okay. long time, yeah, and okay. he
0: has been stubbornly refusing to acknowledge any of it.
1: His, yeah. And
0: in this scene, it's the ultimate manifestation of that. So, like, as much
1: as Erica is an asshole for snatching the gift and making a confront with that and in depths of his grief deal with that, it's a long time coming. Yeah. Okay. I think I agree. I I agree with you.
0: And and I mean it. It might. I don't know because I John like just refuses to acknowledge anything until the end of this episode, right? Where he he finally acknowledges, I don't understand what's going on here. It Which just, I thought that's
1: that's that's I I am John. I don't understand what's happening. Okay, Kevin, me either. that's reasonable. Like, I I think you're not supposed to like, and I think that's another that's another class of person that just can't deal with this show. Like if you have to feel like yeah. you know the answers, I got a good grasp and are not content to just go with the jerk, that it will probably drive you crazy too. I think so, and um,
0: I don't know the the anger that I that I get from John has always made me not like him instinctively, and I I hate to say it, but you know how they they kind of do this with characters; they'll make like they did this with Lori, mm-hmm. they'll bring him back around to where you start to sympathize a little bit with him by the end of it. Yeah, and I they did that extremely rapidly with John for me. Like halfway through this episode, I'm still like, fuck John. No, not fuck you, Erica. Fuck you, John. Mm -hmm. I don't like you. And when he has this heart to heart with, uh, Kevin on the floor of the, the emergency room here, uh, the urgent care place. And then also when he's walking back to his house and he's like, what, what do I do if there's nobody home? Yeah. Kevin's like, come to, come to my house. That's, I don't know why, but that just makes me turn a corner on John. You know why? Because he's admitted that he's he doesn't have the answer, well, and also, he's going to look for
1: it. As a human being, you are instinctively predisposed to feel sorry for other human beings in pain, angry human beings you perceive as a threat and as assholes okay. and yeah. something that needs to be attacked and destroyed. Uh, and that's something. Like, uh, that's something evolutionarily hardwired into us. Like, mm-hmm. when we hear someone crying or we hear someone in a, a sound of distress or pain, we naturally want to help. I mean, that's why how we get, as selfish assholes, that's how we get through natural disasters. And it goes right back to Access Monday, right? It, exactly. Um, and I think that's what this brilliant show is, is, like, and that's, you know, that's what's missing from, like, Discussions, religion, and politics is like the the the, we can't empathize with our enemies because we don't see the private pains and all the choices that then the struggles that they've gone that that's made them arrive at whatever viewpoint they have. We just see the enemy needs to be attacked or destroyed. It's really kind of interesting to see how we can turn on a dime when John just lays himself bare and says, "I'm hurting and I'm angry. This is why I'm angry and I don't understand and I'm weak." We're ready to forgive I, him.
0: I also like characters who are kind of stoic in the face of both adversity sure. and pain. Uh, but I think if John took that route after being confronted with all this, I wouldn't have liked him anymore. The fact that he can admit to it yeah, well, that's is, is what
1: I really appreciated out of that character. Yeah. And let's go stick with that scene, too. Um, obviously, there are some Christ allusions to, to Kevin. But also, I thought that was a great Doubting Thomas moment. The finger in the
0: bullet wound? Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: I need to... Before I fully believe this, because the cleaning the wound (laughs) was almost like what a little boy would do, you know, if he finds a person with a boo-boo. Like, that's... This is wholly ineffectual for what the kind of wound is. That's
0: the thing. Like, I'm wondering how Kevin survived. Like, after he reanimated or whatever he
1: does, how does he survive the sheer blood loss? So, I feel like they've done a lot of research that, like, if you're... Because it's kind of... He shot... Right below the heart and lungs, like to the side of the, the spine, spine above the liver, yeah, like where like there's this miracle shot where you can just kind of poke a hole straight through someone, and inflammation and stuff will will because if you look at the blood that's on the floor, I don't think it's a okay. lethal amount of blood. It's a Mark Watney plug in your spacesuit yes, type thing, kind of like you know. And yes, maybe it's implausible and all that, but it would you know I've you wouldn't think a person take a railroad spike through the skull. And survive, yet I know for a fact people have done that. Yeah. You wouldn't think someone could fall and and a rebar could go from their ass to, you know, their left ass cheek to their right shoulder and have that pulled out and then that's it. That's all the surgery they need. But yet I know for a fact it's happened. So I think Lindelof is trying to pile that on with the whole, you know, if you believe in Big Bang and evolution – you gotta believe that some of these, you know, things that you perceive as coincidences are just the workings of the cosmos on a grand, unfathomable scale. That's the that's the I, line okay, they're I'm, still juggling. I'm with you. My I guess my problem with that is
0: I view his first encounter at the hotel as him being dead. Yes. And so when I see him go to the hotel a second time, I assume he is dead and that him coming back would have to be due to like a,
1: like he comes back and then he immediately needs
0: like a blood transfusion and surgery and like,
1: sure. No, that, that's so the like, thing. I'm that's a the little word assume. But, I think I'm getting in my own way here, though. but if the poison was like the serpent in the rainbow type of poison, yes, then he's not, none of the, he's not dead and he didn't suffocate at the bottom of the lake and he didn't die fatally from blood loss. Then these are all, that's what I'm saying. That's why should we show, talk about shamanism here. Yes. Cause please. I think this is the perfect time. Please. Uh,
0: no, I didn't, make this connection because I don't know much about shamanism or any, any other types of religions other than the Christianity basically. Yeah. Um, But Lindelof in one of his interviews was talking about how they, they came up with this concept of axis Monday. They really wanted this place to be special. And then they, they went to Reza Aslan and he was like, well, well, then well they also
1: said we want to make Kevin the kind of a, of a, of a prophet figure.
0: Yeah. And so they go to Reza and he's like, well, there is something like that. Um, something that uses an axis mundi to communicate between uh, physical and spiritual worlds. It's called a shaman. Mm-hmm. And they do so via spiritual journeys. Like And Linlop says everyone,
1: with, as he's talking, just opens up their notebooks and starts scribbling things down. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> That's is the frantic. thing. Like, everyone
0: that hates... There's wisdom coming out of... The, or there's knowledge coming out of this man. Let's right. get it everyone, it.
1: everyone is bringing in baggage from the battles that he had with Sam Harris and everything. You gotta know that A lot of what made this season extra awesome was the ideas that came from his scholarship and research into early religion and shamanism and Eastern religions and stuff like that. Yeah,
0: so to me, like, that idea that they wanted to make Kevin special and this place special in particular, and the idea that a shaman would kind of come out of that.
1: And how that informs, like, how I see Kevin's father now, how I see Holy Wayne, how I see Virgil, like, all this stuff is very connected and how
0: i see kevin himself like i don't see him necessarily as a jesus figure i see him more as a shaman yeah like, like he's, he's gonna a gonna connection be between the space yeah
1: he's going to be able like like his father said i want to restart the world i felt like i saw kevin's world restarted in an honest yeah. like it's interesting with nora brilliant scene where she throws the the radio to the ground like fix this jesus you know that was like uh, when she's looking and this guy's like, you know, you can't fix things with a baby. And she's looking at this. And Kevin's catharsis last season was based on a false falseness. Like he really hadn't. Sure. He yeah. really hadn't dealt with the root cause of his pain and the root cause of his loneliness. Whereas now he has. And I feel like he's got the ability to. He restarted his own world. And. Yep. Somehow like everybody is everybody in that room except for maybe Nora, I feel like is in a really good p- peaceful place. And I'm gonna make an argument for Tommy here in a minute.
0: I think you gotta make an argument for Jill too, because I'm
1: Well, that's uh, oh right, you're right. Jill's okay. another and, and Jill needs a lot of attention next season. Yeah. Like, a lot of attention. Yeah, she does. And I think that's gonna be that's gonna be super interesting. Uh
0: before we get too far away from this Axis Mundi okay. concept of yeah. shamanism. Yep. Uh and and specifically the line that you mentioned about Kevin Garvey Sr. saying, you know, I'm going to restart the world. Uh, do you think there's any possibility that a season three kind of spells out how this access Monday here and the Garvey's going there and Meg going there and doing what she does is the catalyst for change across the world. Like, is there anything? Cause this is a momentous event, right? Like the one sure. place that was untouched by all of this has now been destroyed. Uh, I think, think that could be something that changes the story significantly going forward.
1: Well, it's got to bring, if nothing else, it's got to bring down the full wrath of the federal government on the guilty yeah, remnant.
0: that's what I'm thinking.
1: Which, you know, when you go back to some of these interviews I saw with Reza and, um, uh, and Lindelof, and they're talking about how some of this guilty remnant stuff is intentionally reminiscent of how Christianity started from within the Holy Roman Empire. That first, it was this cult that was getting footholds that the empire actively tried to stamp out at every approach they're feeding christians the lion and then as the empire was being weakened from within and without it became as a, a way for them to unite the empire and and rekindle hope okay yeah. And, like, you know, they, like I, I don't want to debate about where the American empire is and, you know, the, the rise and fall of the republic and all that, but a lot of that stuff is still there. It's in the back of our minds, like, you know, <laughs> are we losing our status as superpower? Um, history does not look kindly on superpowers that get knocked off their pedestal. It's not like, hey, you get to retire to the Superpower Hall of Fame and you usually get violently replaced with something else. Sure. So... I think that's the guilty remnant as like an early Christianity.
0: Yeah, and, and then and, I also and, like the the splintering that's happening even within the guilty remnant. And and how Meg. that
1: that's how religions start because there is, yeah. you know, like Jesus is dead and you spend the next 100 years with his followers saying this is how I think this should be. This is my experience. This is my experience. And that stuff keeps, keeps happens, and it's it's like a civilization of microcosm. The ball kind of gets moved from this side to this side until it eventually becomes, and then it sp- splinters and fragments, and you got the Holy Roman Empire, and then you got Lutherism, and then you got Methodists, and you got Baptists, mm-hmm. and then you got Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses, and all this other stuff. It's fa- endlessly fascinating. Sure. Yeah, I'm... I'm... I don't know that I would ever
0: have guessed I'd be so interested in a show that was so tied to religion. Yeah. Um, in this particular way, but uh, I, it's the human aspect of it that also,
1: like, without that part, I wouldn't be interested. Do you think it's invalid to have a secular humanist religion? Because that's one. The other thing I kind of feel like I'm getting between the uh... lines of reading this is that Linda is thinking about the afterlife and thinking about his own sense of rationality and. Uh, that's something that Carl Sagan always touched on, too. It's like, why can't you have a religion based on the natural world and rationalism? And I guess I'm in that camp. Like, I don't see... Yeah,
0: I I don't know. I mean, at what point do you stop... You no, know, I, I don't know, I guess, the exact definition of religion. Yeah. Uh, It's tough to say. That's true. When you have so many different kinds in the mix. And would that even be a religion? I don't know.
1: And you feel like you don't have religion now. Yeah. And you're happy. Sure. But you felt really good when you watched The Leftovers. Yeah. So what if there was kind of a Leftovers-esque religion that made you feel that good all the time without having to believe in a Wait, what
0: do, you, what do you mean Leftovers-esque religion? I'm, not, I'm just saying, like, what if you
1: could approach something from an intellectual, rational exercise and get that kind of satisfaction on a lasting basis? Like, is that what a secular religion would look like? Like an awe of the universe, a commitment I feel like that's to...
0: everybody's journey, though. That's not like a like a yeah, thing right. that has to I'm be putting... forced
1: on anyone. It's it's just going to happen to them. I'm putting I'm putting labels on things that don't need it. It's just I, I I'm
0: I don't know. Reza Aslan may have an entirely different view on it. Well, like, he, oh they... yeah, that's a totally a religion, and yeah, religion sure. doesn't need a god. Religion doesn't need any of that stuff. And it he just and he's he would know a scholarly
1: definition of it, which I'm not terribly yeah. interested in. So sure.
0: No, like I said, I'm more interested in the human, the human experience okay. that happens behind the scenes here, uh, which is, I, I don't know. I think it's there in spades. Like
1: everybody is dealing with this in their own way. Uh, do you want to talk more about shamanism, or should we roll on? Because uh, I, I kind of want to talk no, about. No, I'm and good. Lori. I do, I
0: do think it's it's brilliant how they kind of set all that stuff up as mm. Access Monday in the beginning, and you get this super f- confusing scene of a cave woman what what am i seeing here why am i seeing it and then by the end of this season every i
1: mean it, it's so rewarding did you catch that the the crazy lady that's that that they're not your baby lady that she had a snake tattoo on her arm no okay sure yeah i saw that and i'm like taking the baby away from fuck the you yep. the love. And, and kind of the way russ cole said to it's not like like just an, a, a respectful fuck you yeah.
0: Fuck you, man.
1: Fuck you, man.
0: Uh the other thing I noticed, like a little weird observation, I, like I want that. to say
1: the, the only reason I brought Jill and Lori because I want them to notice like how funny the motorized bed sequence was. <laughs> like there's not very a lot of humor yeah. in this show, and I'm not even sure why that worked, but it was pretty damn funny.
0: Yeah, like what's going through Lori's head as she goes up and down on this
1: bed. Sure. It's a little weird. Well, I think it's when this the, the, the joke was that It's one of those beds where you just have a button that you push, and it has to go all the way up before it can go down. So she wanted to recline. Huh. But she had to okay. go, and maybe there's even, God, maybe it wasn't just humor. It was a the thematic. You got to go You gotta go in a direction you don't want to go before you get to where you want to be. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I'd go that far. You must first sit up before you lie down, my son.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Wax on, wax off, bitch. I don't care. Uh, it's like my my reclining chair in my living room, right? Yeah. It's, it's got two buttons, and every time I sit down, I push the wrong one. Sure. Every single time, and I go the opposite. Oops, I messed up. Yep. That's what I thought she was doing. But, okay.
1: But maybe not. Uh, I also love the scene of – you can kind of see that Nora is slowly losing her mind trying to take care of this baby. And Mary. And this, this, yeah. this relationship had a, sh- a shelf life. Like it's too much for one person to do. And she's yeah. smashing radios and then earthquake and Mary wakes up. What did you – aside from the joy it brought me to see Matt and Mary reunited and, you know, like I was ready to forgive – I mean, I I know this is a deeply personal decision and it might be controversial, but I was ready to forgive Matt for raping his wife under these circumstances and still love him as a character. I'm not excusing it. I'm not condoning it. I'm saying I understand why a man with these convictions and these feelings and this situation would do something like that. Having said that, I'm very relieved that I don't have to. Yeah, I don't have to empathize in that way. First of all, when she woke
0: up, I love how they don't show her right away. They they have her say something. Yes, and we get Nora's reaction to what did I just? Who was that? Who could that possibly? Oh my god! And
1: I thought for the first, I thought at, when that seems like we're going to get another where Mary says something to her that she needs to hear to give her the hope to move on.
0: And then it goes right back to and then being goes comatose? Right, yeah. Oh, God. See. But <laughs> then. so
1: the, horrible. Well, I don't know that it for would. For Matt. For Nora, it'd be great, but... I don't know what it would, because that's kind of been her... Like, that's what she did, Matt. She gave him the shot in the arm at his lowest point to get him to keep going on. That would be hilarious if just season after season she comes but back honestly, with But honestly, no, I was, glad, I was glad to see her up. I, I was super
0: glad, too, because I didn't want to have to make that moral judgment on Matt. Um... And if they hadn't given me that, I would have had to, and I don't know where I would have fallen on that. I still don't know where I come down on that. Yeah. Because, like you said, I can understand why a man in that position might do that, but I don't know that that makes it okay.
1: No, but it's like, um, what do you do if you have a friend that you find out is a murderer, or that you find out is a rapist, or that you find out is beat his child? Like, Do you instantly say, we're not friends anymore, or... Do you try to help them? Rec- I mean, because it's just, it's kind of like, can people rehabilitate and change?
0: I I think so. Like yeah. I
1: believe that. Yet so often in our personal experiences, we act as if that is like you've you've committed an unforgivable sin and now fuck you, pal. Yeah, I don't know. So I think a lot of that has to do with like
0: feelings of safety, um, and fear. Mm-hmm. But when they're your friend, I don't think the same concerns are there. Yeah, it's interesting. Right, because you know them too well, and you're too comfortable around them already.
1: Yeah. It's like I have different circumstances. It's like if you're friends with a person, and you find out something to completely recontextualize them, and your mind's blown, you're trying to figure out what to do, that's different than a person, like a friend of a friend. It's different than a public figure you admire. That's different than a public figure you kind of sort of hate anyway. Yeah, you're like, cart- different, from a, like you're different, different from a jail. That's like different than from a pure stranger. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, it's weird, like – Again, I'm relieved that I did not have to make that call. But I was thinking, like, oh, you know, God, can you really, can you really stone Matt for like at the, seeing this man with so much obvious love and care for his wife in a moment of weakness? But yeah, I'm glad I don't have to do and that. And then, I mean, that reaction,
0: those two different reactions, are played out on John and Kevin, right? Yeah. When they find out, oh, Mary's pregnant. Yeah. John's like, "Fuck you, man." Yeah. And
1: Kevin's like, "Sure." yeah like what the fuck what matt but yeah what do you and what would his sister say and yeah no it's it's great and christopher Eccleston's performance finding that <sighs> mary is back is this first time in the episode i got misty eyed yep but it's just so great like there's so much joy it's impossible not to be happy for him yeah i agree and then when she finds out she's pregnant that if you know of course, she's delighted. And then, like, I didn't even—I honestly didn't even need to have him say, "Remember that night we had sex?" Her yeah. laughing out loud and being so happy at being pregnant already told me that. Uh-huh.
0: Yeah, I mean, it was nice. To, it's nice to, to it get the confirmation yeah. for the
1: third part for the for the slope. But I didn't—I I felt like I already emotionally knew that by the time they intellectually communicated it for realsies. I so removing any argument there. I think is the wise thing to do. Probably a good thing.
0: Otherwise, you could have a lot of controversy going on for a while.
1: Which is fine. Controversy is fine. And and healthy discussions and having conversations about what do you do in, in this particular case, I think, is is fine. Um, You know, it's like, yeah, I'm... There's very few shows I see that deal with aspects or questions of rape where I'm like, well, that's a super thoughtful and interesting way to do it. And mm-hmm. I think The Leftovers did it. I thought Jessica Jones recently yeah. had a lot of interesting... Uh, valid things to say about it, and it's nice to have that conversation and not just be like, "What they're doing sucks," and it makes people feel bad, and it's shitty, and 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 regressive. It's like I, I'm I well I I don't shy away from having conversations. I like it when there's something that you can have a thoughtful conversation about.
0: Yeah, uh can we go real quick back to the Murphys?
1: Whatever it's it's it's, it's at least half your show, man. So <laughs> right. do it
0: because uh, there are a couple of things I wanted to say. Uh, so. Going back to Evie's gift real quick, I really like that moment where they open it because I, I think John's reluctance is all based on this is the last thing, the last new thing I have left of my daughter. Of right? course. Like if I don't open this, I still feel like I've got a piece of her. That's why like, I understand him saying fuck you because
1: no. that was kind of a bit of a violation.
0: Sure. And the other thing about it is we find out in this episode that Virgil is Erica's dad. So I don't know what kind of new light that sheds on anything. It doesn't. Nothing really. It's deliciously. But I think it does say, I don't think he could have possibly. I mean, it all but rules out the idea that he molested John as a kid.
1: It, it seems like it's more something he did to Erica that he personally yeah, took the front
0: Yeah, unless of. they were, like, next-door neighbors, and he came not like... And that's possible. I can't even... They're, like,
1: high school sweetheart. They grew up... It in requires the
0: same. Yeah. a lot of tap dancing to get there.
1: Sure. But so, on the other hand, Jarden's a very small town that's got the... It seems like everybody's been there from forever, so, like, it wouldn't surprise me if you had a multi-generational family that was maybe, in the same neighborhood maybe. as well.
0: I'm just saying, it requires less tap dancing than saying John was angry about something he did to Erica. No. Or yeah. the kids. Yeah, uh, so I, I don't know.
1: Doesn't really shed any new light. Oh, <laughs> uh, it could have been something he did to the kids. That's the thing. I mean, that's kind of where I've leaned mostly. Or it could also be something he did to Erica.
0: It, potentially, yeah.
1: Um. Well, yeah. I, 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 and again, like I'm not too interested in speculating because to the extent that it matters, it will be revealed in the fullness of time. It does feel like it was something. But here's the th- here's the contra. John and Kevin's conversation that led to John being shot in the gut, mm-hmm. or I'm sorry, Kevin being shot in the gut. Yeah. Did heavily imply it was something sexually done to John. Like the reaction John had to that uh, revelation felt more personally than, oh yeah, you found out the guy molested your wife. And then. Yeah. I, it felt a little bit more I mean, personal than even like, I get it, It's personal. I agree. When something it happens feels to super your wife. personal,
0: but I, I don't know that I agree that that scene, like the language they use is just ambiguous there. Whereas the language they used to say Virgil is Erica's father is not ambiguous.
1: And it wouldn't surprise me if there was something, like we're way off the page. Like what if Virgil was supposed to watch, uh, was supposed to watch Erica when she was a child and he went off, man and left her like he couldn't be he might not have less mm. anyone he could have done something still with his infernal machinery that led to her being hurt or john being hurt when he should have okay. been doing something else and it's kind of like an addiction problem like you didn't take care of your responsibilities and someone got hurt yeah like it wouldn't shock me if it's something way outside the box like that
0: you know what would shock me what if we ever heard what the actual reason is really i don't think we're ever gonna know i don't think that's the type yeah.
1: of secret the show needs to keep but on the other hand i don't need to know it it's kind of like I don't
0: think the show is keeping it secret. I think the show doesn't need you to know it. Yeah, the characters
1: that need to know know it, and yeah. the audience is not one of those characters. It's kind of like none your business.
0: But you feel the emotion that is intended, right? Okay. Without knowing the specifics, I'm okay with that.
1: Okay. Um, let's talk about Meg's bomb because the other issue that I had, some people <laughs> had issue with the fact that Meg's is super violent gr, but she didn't actually blow up the bridge. Yeah. And, like, you know, why did she threaten the plastic? Uh, To me, it made perfect sense. Like, introducing these girls and the idea that they're rigged with explosives is the perfect way to make these rangers stand down and put in a kind of hostage situation. Because that's what you do when you're in a situation where you don't jump in. You you try to buy time and negotiate. escalate, yeah. And you also get these crazy people that have been sitting there stewing for months and God knows how long whipped up into a frenzy so that this small pebble sized guilty remnant group can get the snowball rolling down the hill and, uh, and overwhelm the Rangers. Like to me, it all felt like it made sense. I think it's also part of a one, two
0: combo. Like you take the girls away. They start feeling, you know, Jarden starts feeling the sudden departure. You bring the girls back and say, we're taking them away for real now. It, yeah, it, it hits them again, right? And then yeah. they're like, "Oh God, what?" Like they deeply feel what everyone else has been feeling. So I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. There's there are dubious, in my head, dubious motivations. I don't totally understand all of the motivations here.
1: Well, well. So I want to say the other thing that kind of bothered me about this episode: why is the park rangers so deferential to John? Like this whole season, John feels like he's like a law unto himself. Yeah, this time like, like the town. hey, we found out a branching print that might have killed your daughter or abducted her, it's your neighbor. Let's all go grab him, take him off to the animal shelter, and allow you guys to have a showdown after we give you time to get a gun. Uh, like in what world do the police work that way? I, I guess in a world where John runs the fucking town. <laughs> but, but why I don't does know John why. run the town? Like I don't know. to me, it's like to me he's a convicted attempted murderer like i do you think we'll get more answers to that like how i mean this man releases the is released do you think that there is an angry undercurrent in Jarden that maybe the rangers are sympathetic to because you look at how the rangers were when when miracle first opened mm -hmm. and you look at how they are now there's been a coarseness and a hardening of their relationship with the outsiders coming in And even with, like, dealing with the townsfolk, maybe John is, like, the Batman of Jarden. The reason he gets away with his vigilantism is because the citizens, you know, Batman gets away with what he does because the citizens of Gotham broadly uh, are in favor of brutalizing criminals and see that the official instruments of justice are corrupt and ineffective. Is is John the Batman of Jarden? Because that's the only thing that makes it make sense.
0: You might be you might be onto something, especially considering the stuff we've seen of Erica's workplace, where people like when some, John beats somebody up, people come to her and say, "You need to talk to this guy." Yeah. So clearly, more than
1: just the family knows about it. Oh sure, like uh, I, the preacher knows about. it. I feel like it's an open secret. Preacher, in the town. yeah,
0: yeah. So maybe it's not even a secret. It's just a secret with new folk who come in. Um, and maybe, yeah, maybe the Rangers are are in on it, and he's kind of doing Do his thing. Do you think we'll,
1: we'll, there'll be, like, newspaper clippings in the first few minutes of next season saying, like, <laughs> what widespread corruption? Because think about it. If John shoots Kevin and he dies while he's under the custody of the park ranger service, that's a major scandal.
0: Oh, hell yeah. Plus, and I mean, I, the I fact couldn't...
1: that this this place got ran over anyway is already going to be a fucking scandal. Like, oh, yeah. I, I have no idea what the end game of this particular peace setting is.
0: Well when John shoots Kevin, I'm like, oh he's going away for a long time this time.
1: Oh sure. Like
0: good you're not seeing your kids again. Did you think
1: okay, that's the other thing. Did you think that Kevin could die? Yeah, I did did too. After
0: this this uh I I thought that might have been his one his one pass, is the hotel Mm -hmm. in the International Assassin.
1: Yep. When he died I was like wow. Wow. Wow (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that is a that is a way to take the story, and I wasn't even like mad. I wasn't like oh bullshit. Yeah. This is I just you know like wow. Yeah, I was shocked when he woke up in the hotel again. Honestly, I was a little pissed, but then when he crawled out of the tub, looked in the mirror, and just screamed motherfucker, I was right back on board. Yeah, because that's exactly the reaction I think everyone <laughs> was having to that. And if, if like I I'll put up with a lot if I feel like you're being honest with me. Yeah, if I feel like you're playing tricks. Or you're fucking with the characters. That's what sets me against you. But that mm-hmm. felt all organic and honest. Yeah.
0: No. I, and then it's not just that, right? He goes to the hotel lobby after putting yeah. on his cop uniform and he gets down yeah. there. And he's like, you need to sing to get out of here. He's like, I don't believe you. Why? Because it's stupid.
1: Cause that's stupid. <laughs> yeah, it's so great. <laughs> it's
0: like, that's the perfect line. That's exactly what I would say and what I was thinking.
1: Before I get away. because I talked about Meg's bomb. People had a problem with it not being violent. I don't feel like Meg... Particularly wants to kill people or doesn't want to kill people. Like, if a ranger didn't jump out of the way, she would have ran them down. Mm-hmm. If people die in the ensuing chaos and get trampled on the bridge, I don't think she cares about that either. But that's not... She's not out just to kill people. She's out to inflict maximum devastation. And her perfect world is a world in which the guilty remnant have a peaceful protest in the visitor center while everyone else tears the place apart. <laughs>
0: Yeah, seems kind of like what happened here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then uh, they put
1: on their normal clothes and blend back in. I don't know. I I have no idea what they do next season.
0: I imagine uh, we'll talk a
1: little bit about that, but like I just I, I don't have a lot of, of of thoughts and and speculation on it.
0: Yeah, because this season came in so out of left field. Uh, the the other things about like the bridge, I really do love that scene when.
1: Uh, John goes and gets Erica and brings her back to the bridge, and she breaks through. And how happy they are, and how quickly it turns to anger and frustration and confusion.
0: Especially with John that first time, when he's alone and he sees her. He's just so happy, and then he realizes... And he's
1: struggling to understand, like, what is going
0: on? Why? But then he gets Erica, and Erica comes out there, and she's trying desperately to talk to her daughter. She gets some response. She's signing to her. That was the part that got me, is just like... Pulling out all the stops, man, you know?
1: Yeah, no, as a person who would... Uh, who has been cut off by multiple family members, like, that felt so emotionally real, the desperation to reestablish yeah. a contact and the confusion and pain from where is this coming from. Sure. Oh. Uh, no, it's brutal. Yeah, I definitely... So it
0: got misty-eyed at that point.
1: Uh, I, I definitely got, got choked up. That's the set one. And on subsequent view, knowing it came, it actually got me... I, I actually got a few few sobs choked out of me too oh all right uh, i also
0: love that this scoreboard which i thought was kind of incidental and just yeah, like that
1: the guilty remnant
0: hacked it, it. was kind
1: of kooky but, uh-huh. <laughs> but
0: yeah i so i assume it's the guilty remnant and not just like a guy. A i thought Jardin-ite they showed a the guy at the,
1: the laptop hooked up to it that like megan was given like a nod to oh okay all so right. I, I thought it made that makes it sense i could also see just like the the people going,
0: Fuck yeah, let's put up an hour. So a lot of people thought like they had a up. problem
1: with them cheering the bridge being blown up. But it, to me, like th- these people are not healthy. Like yeah. every time the camera's paused over these people, these people are fucked up. That's of true. course they would welcome anything from the monotony of waiting for the park services to get their shit together yeah. and approve their request for whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, blow it's kind of uh, you know, you gotta you got The toxic parts of protest culture clashing with people's impotent rage uh, against the system combined with anything that would upset the status quo and the authority symbol. Like, I have no problem believing that people would cheer that, something like that.
0: And their own confusion and sadness, you know? I mean, this is another manifestation of these people's feelings here. It's not like they're going and doing their Burning Man thing outside of Jarden just because—
1: uh, do we want to talk about the church service where Michael finally gets tired of this spared shit? I mean... Yeah, I think we should. I, I don't know what to say about it, because it's all surface level. This is what you thought happened. It's true. This yeah. is what was going on he in the background. says it. Deal with it. Uh-huh. And then John comes in right at the point where it might get interesting to see what everyone's reaction. So it's like, yes, it's significant. You watch the episode. Yeah. <laughs> it's I,
0: But he makes the exact point. I was making in international assassin. Yeah.
1: About Patty being
0: completely wrong. Yeah, uh, And these connections being, you know, something that we experience in everyday life and all that stuff. And
1: don't need to go over it again. And I'm also thinking about the stuff with the parents and the the girls and the bridge. Like, you, you know what the clusterfuck this whole show would be if the actors just didn't kill it in every scene that they have <laughs> to? Yeah. Can you imagine, like, Erica versus Evie if either one of those actresses were at a replacement level? It just wouldn't fucking work, man.
0: Yeah, it's shocking to me that they can find so many just totally on point. Like this, it's not a super tiny cast. I mean, there's... No,
1: but it's it's what happens like when people when eight, you're, ten people when you're casting them, but... people and your creatives give a shit. Yeah. And they don't just like settle
0: for the right look yeah. or the right whatever. It's the, the whole package.
1: Um, what did you think that... This is kind of echo of uh, Patty and, and Kevin from last season, but what did you think of Evie telling Erica, you understand, when she said, why are you doing this? Do you I, understand? I didn't understand. Okay. <laughs> Me either. But I, I get the feeling that, like, they if, need to remove
0: this false hope from people. I, so like... I want to
1: speculate is that Evie had found out her mom was planning to cut and run
0: okay. because—
1: she had put up with pain for so long gotcha. that she was willing to abandon her children, her family, and Evie saying, oh, no, you you exactly understand where this is coming from. Yeah. oh,
0: That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, She's wearing infinity symbol earrings. Does that mean anything to you? Evie Jill? is. No, Evie is. On Jill the, is, On too. the bridge.
1: Jill is, too? Yeah, Jill. I didn't notice Evie. Jill absolutely is wearing infinity symbols when she's having her angry conversation with Lori and all that.
0: Maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm okay. thinking of
1: Jill, but... Okay, because I did not notice that about would be a crazy Evie. coincidence. I did notice that about Jill. Okay. Uh God damn, it's one of those things like, let's pause the podcast and watch the episode again.
0: No, I can't do that.
1: Can't do that. Um, uh, what did you think? Because, you know, my... One of the things I hate about The Walking Dead is they use the baby as a way to push the emo the emotional buttons of the audience and like you know if you don't give a shit as a parent I cannot see a child helpless and in danger and not massively give a shit. Yeah. And that's this is the thing that really broke me down when wow. Okay. The the kid got hurt the when she, that crazy lady stole the baby. Mm-hmm. The snake lady stole the baby. And took off in the crowd. I'm already like, oh my god, worst parental nightmare. Then you see that the baby is just laying there helpless, almost being trampled. I That overhead shot, man, and, made and, me cringe. And Nora shielding with her body and getting kind of semi-trampled. And then, like, Tommy stepping in, huh. completely back backlit by sunlight as this almost angel. Yeah. Uh... Taken into safety, like I feel like that's where Tom, Tommy's going to be all right because he now he now understands. First of all, that's uh, it's it kind of interesting to point out that's Holy Wayne's baby, and is is it still his job to save him? Good, good question. Save her, yeah. But also the fact that like he now knows, like when Meg says family is everything, she was saying cynically, like family is the thing we have to destroy. Yeah, family is the thing; it's the key to everything. Mm-hmm. Where he's now understanding that like I can build my life around. These people need me. I can save these people. I've made a positive difference. Yeah, I feel like Tommy's going to be fine next season. Am I crazy? I don't think you're crazy at all. No, I think he's seen how hollow. How like, what has Meg really done besides fuck a bunch of shit up? And what has he done besides spare a mother and a child this heartache and death that was senseless? He's perfectly recreated the the
0: Cableman scene. He's done that.
1: kind of like yeah i mean that's what it evoked
0: for me sure sure like no that's you know, exactly cradling yeah. this baby trying to protect it and save it and then tommy
1: coming in and saving him yeah uh no but when he says it's okay you know, when he when he put out his hand and, and helped. oh jesus I huh. yeah it's like it was an All emotional right. bomb going off in my living room gotcha uh i've got one more emotional bomb for you Oh. If you want to talk about it, are we going to talk about uh, Simon and Garfunkel? Fuck yeah, we are.
0: <laughs> uh, let's talk about the whole hotel sequence. Yeah, because there's some interesting stuff in there with
1: his dad or lack Tried of Trying to get his dad, I thought, did you think he was going to set the bed on fire? <laughs> I know. I thought I don't he think would try. realize that the fire was the thing necessarily. Really? Uh.
0: I think we analyzed it a little more than he yeah, did I guess in that it's moment. true. But it's interesting that his dad is not on the TV, I guess. And he wouldn't be because he's not setting fire in Perth anymore. I don't know whether you want to read into that and say what the status of Kevin Garvey Sr. is, but... Nah. Okay. We'll find that in the fullness of time. Or we won't. Either way. Yeah. Doesn't matter. Um, Then he goes downstairs. He delivers the excellent I Don't Believe You Because It's Stupid line. Uh-huh. So they have a few songs
1: written up on this wheel. One of them is... I got them all. Like a Prayer by Madonna. Which was their first choice. Yeah. And I think that... That would have been a materially worse choice. Uh,
0: yes, I'm thinking "Homeward Bound" is the and perfect song. thank you, Madonna, song. for
1: big timing, Damon Lindelof. Because yeah, Madonna s- said no. Yeah, you, we we dodged the bullet there. Why would Madonna say no? Because she's never seen the show, and she's yeah. I don't but know. why? She woke if up on the songs- anti she woke up on the anti commercial side of the bed this morning. She, you need
0: you need to get play, lady. <laughs> you need to at this point
1: wherever you can get it get it I don't know like she seems to be uh, okay, she keeps... unless she's done she's I don't just think she's like, done yeah, she just went whatever. on this big worldwide tour and there's like you know did she
0: She is she relevant anymore she had, had a little comeback in the 2000s are there still gay but... men
1: being born I th- yeah certainly that like club music because it seems like yeah. that's, that's a big passion audience that she has that that's true, and I you know it's like I she hasn't been relevant to me, but I was I guess I, like I said she just went on a big worldwide tour and sold a bunch of tickets, and I think she would had an album out. They, like they should
0: have just done Do You Believe by share or <laughs> well, Believe whatever it's called.
1: I kind of feel like that's yeah Madonna's going down the share path a decade later. Okay, and then who will be the you know what? Britney Spears. Britney Spears <laughs> is going to be going down a Madonna path. 10 years so. from now. Who knows? I don't yeah. know. Um, but yeah, no, I this. Simon and Garfunkel, Homeward Bound, the lyrics and the way that they interspersed, in, you know, like I didn't need it, but I think it made it more powerful the way they reminded us gently about all these things. And yeah, as Kevin, like Kevin starts just going through the motions. And I also thought it was great because um, Lindloff said that Justin Throw when he saw the script, he's like, great, I'm, com- I'm completely on board. Problem. I cannot sing. Are you kidding me? I thought he sounded good. Oh, Jesus. No, dude. That was bad. Well, he was choked up, but
0: he, he sounded pretty good. When otherwise. he started off? No, 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 no. No,
1: no, When he starts off, he's... Off key and bullshit. Yeah, yeah. But by the end but of I it, he's But I think that's singing. what... I actually think that him being a terrible singer made it a much more vulnerable performance. Like, a if he was Carrie underwood I, I don't know that it would work. I've heard
0: much worse.
1: Okay. Um... But, no, like he's talking about the, you know his destination's booked and all these one night stands, and there's this magical moment where I think it hits his character and us as the audience that he's singing about himself, yeah, and it's intercutting these as flashbacks and you know, I, when he says, I'll play the game and I'll pretend, and it flashes back to his four smiles at his dad's birthday party. Yep, got smoky in the and, room. Got um, real smoky. Sh- the shades of mediocrity, talking about that's his life. Like he, everything was handed to him, and they have sure. to work for it. it. Yeah, totally. Yeah, eyes burning really bad in the scene. <laughs> and it's so ridiculous. It's stupid and dumb and beneath us all, and yet here we are. Because it's heartfelt. Like I don't I don't feel like it was dishonest. I
0: felt like it was just...
1: Yeah. No, you're right. Yeah. Uh, he wakes up in the dog quarantine area where all the dogs have left. I guess did the guilty remnant come in, see this man dead on the floor, and just let dogs out? I, I guess. Except for Kevin's dog Unless Kevin with him. Kevin did it?
0: I don't know. Hmm. Kevin's body? No, I don't know.
1: I don't... Probably. It must have been the guilty I, remnant. I don't understand. That's the one other question I've got. I don't know what thematically it means that Kevin's dog... Stayed by him just to leave, well, as soon as he knew Kevin was okay.
0: Yeah, and I—I I mean, he leaves by going out across that bridge away from Miracle. I don't know if that says anything about the future for Kevin. Sure, not sure. Sure, um, but
1: I don't know. It works thematically and emotionally. I just don't understand what it means, man. I'll let the mystery—I'll yeah. let the mystery of the dog be. <laughs> Uh, there's I, mean, also I don't obvious. know how
0: much we talked about this David Burton guy before we leave the hotel entirely.
1: Wait, we know he's David Burton? So
0: a lot of people are, yeah, assuming he's David Burton. Because okay, but he doesn't, he doesn't identify as David Burton. He never identifies as that. We, do we know what he said to Kevin on the bridge that no. that night?
1: No. I feel like my theory of uh, he told them what happened to the girls is very strong, because that's when the last things Kevin heard, and that's what he thinks about. And that's what he wakes up yes so i think that i think that that was my understanding was that was kevin's subconscious and conscious coming together shaking hands and getting right with the world Hmm. now i don't know why he comes back i don't understand him being recontextualized except for if this is still all kevin's subconscious then why not why not take that experience and add it and spin it and now this guy's negotiating you know telling you to sing a lounge lounge sign instead of or lounge song instead of uh uh, telling you to hang yourself.
0: Uh-huh. Okay, that's all I want to say about him. He might may or may not be David Burton. He has an accent, and he
1: seems to be a... a so so Jarden being an on-fire hellhole is exact is the same kind of thing with the you know Mapleton from last year. I thought, oh, they'd done it again. They'd done it again. When Kevin grabbed that nightstick and started ahead, I thought, like, this didn't pay off at all. But when he picked up that nightstick... That was single handedly more badass than anything I've seen from Into the Badlands. Just the threat of a just, beating, just this immortal man bringing a nightstick and heading off to do All battle right. with yeah. these fuckers. Like it, not, again, nothing came of it. But this and the way they hit the the music with it, it's like, oh shit, retribution. Yeah. I mean, maybe that's a season three arc. Him and John team up to take back Jarden.
0: <laughs> okay, sure.
1: Uh, and go on Nora, an Nora spree. and Lori riding shotgun, like, mm-hmm. shit, yeah, I'd get down for that. Uh, and the guy on the pedestal the entire
0: time. John he's C. Just Riley, just hanging silent out of there. vigil, yep. I love it. They can't get to him. What are they going to do? Like, no, nope, he's, he's just, just up en- there.
1: He's enjoying the dubstep riot going on.
0: And he's, like, I like to think they've adopted him, right? Like, he's something that's been, you know, he would have been a representation of Miracle if not for being so kooky. Yeah no I don't see and the, these people are just like Fuck, I don't see he's part the of festival
1: freak show crowd having a problem with him they no. they probably love him yeah they probably heard of his he's their new mascot sure he was like their beachhead uh-huh. uh so we talked about the scene in the emergency room the Downing Thomas and all that stuff um, yeah you know I don't understand what's happening me neither and I wrote down my notes that's the leftovers in a nutshell <laughs> uh, the fact I wrote that, like, down you do understand finally you understand.
0: That you don't understand. Well, not only like, that, but... Like, that's the key breakthrough here.
1: Also, the fact that this is the... Re- <laughs> is this a, another thing that, like, we've gotten... The reason that our lives have become meaningless because we've gotten away from the concept of family and neighbors and friends, and that John is kind of healed just by, what if I go home and there's no one to come home to? And mm-hmm. Kevin says, well, then, son of a bitch, you come over to my house. Yeah. Like, I like that as a thesis statement, too. Okay. Like, in times, in, in bad times, we band together because that's that's what we do as human beings. Yeah. Uh, there's another earthquake, and Kevin comes home, and literally everyone that I care about and cares about him and he cares about is in this house. And Nora comes out and says, you're home. I just... And I, again, lost my shit. I... It's such a syrupy, saccharin Walton's ending, what? but the show fucking earns it, and they can have it.
0: In what condition would Kevin need to come home for them to raise an eyebrow? <laughs> he has come home soaked, he's come home covered in dirt, and now he is covered in blood, head to toe, with a gunshot wound, and these people don't bat an eye. Like, I could see maybe Nora and Jill not, not batting an eye, but yeah.
1: Lori? Well, Lori- Lori hasn't seen him like this. But she saw how crazy he was.
0: I mostly yeah, but Nat's crazy is,
1: lo- is already a lunatic anyway. Like that's the <laughs> that's thing. Like everyone in this house is so. ka- everyone in this house is kind of lunatics except for Lily, yeah. and she's the baby of a, she's the she's the daughter of a lunatic. Who's not a lunatic yeah, in this house, I... Mary? Well, sure. Mary's been sitting out the funny yeah. farm.
0: <laughs> she's got she's disavowing all knowledge of this <laughs> quote unquote family. Crazy ass
1: family, like. So here, I have a huge, I have big questions I want to talk about, about this. but before we move on, I yeah, want to yeah. talk about the other songs that were on the board, because I wrote them all down. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, Don't Stop Believing from Journey, Living okay. on a Prayer, uh, bon, bon Jovi, Jovi. Yep. Uh, Bohemian Rhapsody, Queen, hmm. I Would Die for You, Prince, uh, The Homeward Bound from Simon and Garfunkel, and All My Exes Live in Texas, George Strait. <laughs> Which <laughs> that, that one's in there for like a the joke. W- it, but it's the joke because like Lori and Nora yeah. are in Texas, but uh-huh. also like I looked up the lyrics because I haven't heard that song in forever. Uh, and there's like lines about how he he can't live in Texas anymore; he's got to live in Tennessee. But he revisits Texas every night through transcendental meditation, yep. like a spiritual journey to Texas. So I'm like, again, fuck you, Lindelof, <laughs> fuck you. I think that's you, awesome. You made X's in Texas work on a meta contextual level other than just a sight gag of his ex in yeah, uh, yeah, great. Okay, that's but awesome. all the other ones have obvious spiritual undertones or self-sacrifice undertones or sure. atoning for Misty like yeah, no, it's but Homer bounds the best one.
0: Yeah, some thought went into the choices on that board.
1: Uh you had a thought? Did I rudely cut off? I have
0: so many questions about the future of this family. Yeah, this quote-unquote sure. family. Like, we've got some sort of weird love-slash-psychology triangle here between Nora and and uh, Lori okay. and Kevin. Like, what does this family put back together look like
1: now that I Nora is part know. of the picture? I don't know. Because I don't think that...
0: And, significantly, that Nora has become kind of a mother that Jill likes, and Jill is totally on the outs with Lori right now.
1: Yep, that's something that has to be figured out.
0: Yeah, I think that's a big key component going forward for the show.
1: Sure, but I don't know. I I, I I mean, I
0: asked the question not to get an answer, but to throw that thought out in the air and say,
1: they need to think about this. Oh, I bet they will. That, I'm about sure to think about yeah. it long and hard can bring in a marriage consultant who knows
0: and you know Kevin's gonna want Laurie around because maybe she can help him like I don't know what residual feelings there
1: are there but I don't know I don't know that he needs because like when he said to John maybe Evie doesn't love you okay that's an insight he had about himself like I don't know that he loved Laurie hmm and I don't know that he loves i don't I, I wanna say he loves Nora, but I also thought it was telling in when he was thinking about homeward bound like we saw Lori and Tommy and Jill and Nora. We did not see Lily. Does that imply that that's something like are there how is he going to huh how is he going to roll back all the decisions he made as crazy Kevin, which ones are authentic ones, which ones are he's gonna take responsibility for? I think that's yeah. an interesting question too. Like you're right, he invited Lori back in his house. Is that something he's going to stand by? And what the hell is? I mean, Nora what does that mean for seem, Nora? What does yeah, she doesn't seem like she's going to love that decision. And honestly, Jill would not either. And Jill, yeah, Jill is perfectly entitled to her rage and pain against her mother, and she doesn't. <gasps> oh, that line, man. Yeah,
0: I will. I will. That line where Jill, where Lori comes up and is like, "You're going to have to talk to me eventually."
1: No, oh fuck. my god. Yeah, no. Fuck you, lady. Thank you, Jill, for throwing that back in her face. I will I will I will rep for Jill till my dying breath. Like, <laughs> yeah, she might choose to forgive her mother, but she don't have to. Yeah. Yeah. She tried. She tried. <laughs> it almost got her killed. Uh-huh. She tried so many times to make a bridge to her mother.
0: Yeah, good stuff.
1: Until it was too late. So, I don't know. I don't know what this family looks like when it's put back together, but
0: it'll be interesting sorting that out. Sure. And I hope they deal with it in season I mean, 3.
1: I know for a fact that we did not see the 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 Garvey's all moving to, to Texas to a national park no. where no one died as the as the context for season 2. Not with where it was almost entirely absent the guilty remnant like so is it it's it's futile trying to figure out what they're going to do next season and I don't want to. And I tell you what, I want to try although here's okay. In between the in, after the first episode they had this season on and they showed a whole bunch of shit They showed some of the riots in Jarden. They showed Matt in stocks. They showed all this stuff happening. Uh, And I'm like, I don't want to know any of these images. I don't want to know any of it. But I got to say, it didn't detract from my enjoyment at all. Yeah. Because how Matt wound up in the stocks, how Jarden ended up getting destroyed, was the whole part of the story. So now I'm like, do I want to watch the next season's on and the next week's on next year? Or do I really care?
0: I don't know that I care and like it so speculation on the future of this show I think also hits that exact point that you made whereas you know you can see something but how they get there and and why they get there are very very much more important Um, like I don't need to speculate on what the plot will be next season I don't think there's any point in doing that like you said we had no idea on this one but I think there are some unresolved things that need to be addressed. Australia. For us to feel good. I, I don't even know if Australia needs to be one Yemen. of them. <laughs> but specifically with this family, right? I think that's mm. the most important yeah. thing. They're they're back together and there's a big smile on everyone's face, but there are some real issues to work out. Sure. And those are the types of things I can say for sure that they need to touch on next season.
1: And you, you talk about Kevin's family. I want to know what's going on in John and Michael and... Erica too oh man yeah like
0: how changed is John does that make Erica uh want to stay with him sure now what about Evie like is she just going to be in the GR and they're going to have to deal with that or how does that change their their family relationship you know yeah it's going to be I Limitloff does say that he likes the Murphys a lot Sure. So, I don't know if he'll abandon that part of the story, and I kind of hope he doesn't.
1: It would feel weird. It would feel weird if they just completely abandoned Jarden altogether. But then again, I would have said the same thing about Mapleton. Yeah. So, and Jarden is just I'm not, as destroyed. I'm not putting any limitations on what the, this, these people do. And the other thing is, like, yeah. you know, what does Tommy make of this? Like, when they sit down and have this conversation and catch up, which I assume they'll do, uh-huh. it'll come out that. Kevin met Holy Wayne, right? I assume so. Like, there's a lot of interesting possibilities just in a, like, listen. I could, I could go for eight hours of just them having one on one conversations, honestly, catching up on what they don't know about each other. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's
0: plenty of stuff to mine here from, uh, you know, a, a personal interaction sort sure. of.
1: Aspect, but, but plot, also like whatever Nora's still got a lot. I feel of a redemption ahead. Uh, uh, Lori honestly feels like a very angry, unsettled, yeah. unresolved character. She needs more. Uh, and Jill, mm-hmm. like, I wouldn't mind a, a season just focusing on the women, yeah, figuring out what's going on with, with them.
0: Yeah, it feels like this season has been really about getting Kevin to where he needed to be, yeah, um, so that this can actually
1: be a family. Hey, uh, it's a couple weeks for Christmas. A couple of things i wanted to draw your attention to number 1 we're uh you know the only reason we're able to do the leftovers along with Fire Goins and some of these other smaller shows is because uh, the 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 fans see the benefit and are and are coming on and talking with it on a weekly basis we do tons of shows we if you go to baldmove.com we're we're doing shows all the dang time um but the only way we can do it is because the listeners see the value in it and they choose to support us and there's two ways to do that one is club.baldmove.com where you pay as low as a buck a month and you get ad-free podcasts and a bunch of bonus features. Right now, we're doing something cool. It's called the 25 Days of Bald Move Christmas. Uh, the, the, the long, the short story is we uh, pick a random bottle of booze, airline-sized bottle of booze, off a tree every morning. We drink it. We sing a Christmas song, and we show off some fan art and stuff. And on Fridays, we drink three-day worth and get liquored up and then do a lunch with all the premium subscribers. And that sounds like a good idea. Or if you want to add free feeds, go to club.baldmove.com to find out how. Another way you can help us while we help you is by using the Amazon.baldmove.com link uh, for all your Christmas shopping. You don't have a lot of days left. Amazon can get it to you. In a quick time with very cheap prices and good selection. Uh, Amazon.baldmove.com. It costs you nothing and gives us a little tiny bit of support, and we can use every bit of it. Uh, Thanks to everybody that has supported us this year. And, again, we couldn't do it without you. And if we could uh, get some new subscribers, that would be great too. Shall we get the feedback? Yeah, yeah, let's do it. We probably have a bunch, don't we? We do, we do. I had to make, I had to make, it's funny, because, like, this show had almost no feedback, and then it came on, like, a freight train in the last three episodes, and I've had to make uh, my first brutal cuts of the season. JNL sure. from Sweden says, like, you guys, I assume the Euros that Kevin had in his wallet simply had to do with him being an international assassin. Are you ready for a fuck you, Linda Love? Okay. However, Euros, unlike most bills, do not have portraits of people on them, but picture famous bridges around Europe. Nice. She suggests, I guess, it's to symbolize the EU building bridges. The front of every Euro bill has a picture of a window or a gate, and the back of the bill has a picture of a bridge. Christ, man. That's some next level shit. Also,
0: if you believe that he is indeed a shaman and this is the bridge between Sh- the spirit and geez, that, physical worlds, yeah. mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that
1: works. Yeah, so thank you for that. And she, ironically, uh, Sweden doesn't use the EU. They they retain their Krona, so. Good for uh, them. Th- thanks for uh, thanks for telling us about that, Ian. Jake from Tallahassee said, most of the show's praise gets thrown at the actors and Lindelof, but what about Mimi later? Throughout yeah. two seasons... She has produced 14 episodes and directed seven of them. Those insane close-up angles are hers. Yeah. Along the saturated color grade and razor-sharp cinematography. She's not quite doing the full Soderbergh, who directs every episode of The Nick, but she's putting her stamp on The Leftovers every week. With four episodes and extended finale, she directed half the season. Uh, so, yeah. hard to. He says, hope you guys shine some light on her next cast. Thanks for helping us with that, Jake. Hard to believe she went from pay it forward to running the best show on television. <laughs> Uh, no, I, you're right, um, and I felt I'm, like Lindelof did a really good job of of spreading the praise around and making sure that he she does. is yeah. one of, you gotta put her with him and Parada for being one of the kind of, uh, they're on the Mount Rushmore of this show. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess maybe you put Reza up there too, or for at least season two. Yeah, it doesn't, so to me, I mean, Lindelof's comments feel
0: like there doesn't need to be a Mount Rushmore yeah, of this a, show, it, it needs to be like the big party. Uh, with everybody but there's some people that have more fingerprints
1: on this show than others and Mimi sure is right sure up there
0: yeah and I mean I've praised the directing before but not specifically her um, like mentioned her name even though I've heard it around because i never look at who directed what It might be
1: letter because you know that's my thing I yeah. mispronounce things
0: uh, but yeah she's done an outstanding job and it doesn't surprise me that she directed that uh, that scene with Regina King and Carrie
1: Coon uh Jasmine says, I love how the leftovers uses not only symbolism for the Western but also Eastern thought as well. The theme of cycles is really apparent in this season. Kevin seems stuck ah. in Samsara, the cycle of birth, life, death, and rebirth. Which by the way, if you want to blow your mind some Friday night, check out the the documentary Samsara on Netflix. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Uh in Or in... look at Jill's ears. <laughs> You've got a sick fetish. you got? No, her ears. I, I get it. infinity symbol.
0: So- Never mind.
1: They go on forever. Yes. In a way, John does too. Even after he's released from prison, ending one part of his life, he's doomed to live the same patterns in his anger, and his relationships, and even the way he attacks Kevin. Hmm. Uh, Evie gives her father the cricket because he just won't let it go. The departure is represented as a negative event because we can only experience it from behind uh, the perspective of a confused, lonely, and frightened people left behind. From a perspective of Samsara, they may have reached this sort of nirvana. They're free mm-hmm. from the cycles of birth, lef- life, and death because, as far as we know, they'll never die in any sense that we understand. So who is spared? The people left behind or the departed? The only thing that makes me roll my eyes a little is the way the theme plays every time a big moment, quote-unquote, happens. I feel like the people who love this show have already taken the plunge and are willing to watch carefully and consider <laughs> details thoughtfully... We don't need the music signal to put our thinking caps on or to cue tears. Am I being cynical? Yeah, that's every show, man. My answer is that's yes. every movie, every show, everything you've ever seen. Because I call this lo- this this leftovers motif the hammer. Because if I'm feeling right. tight in my throat when that <laughs> when that fucking violin and piano <laughs> start up, it's the hammer, man. You're right. So it it works on me. Is 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 all I can say uh uh-huh. Jasmine and I and the other thing is you got to understand like me and Jim are not prone to shows of emotion.
0: No, it takes a lot to get me choked up on a I need show. the
1: hammer. Okay? <laughs> to fully enjoy the show. So I will I, I will definitely go to the mat for the hammer. I need the hammer. I love the hammer. I All want right. the hammer. Uh Jesse in Nashville says um I love how the leftovers use Wait a second. He I says just, all his exes live in Texas. No, I just scrolled up and reread the the email. Oh, never mind. <laughs> uh, KP from Chi-Town says, So Kevin is messiah now, huh? Resurrected three times, baptized, doubting yeah. apostle John Murphy poking in his chest wound. Do you think the holy garb in the purgatory level is representative of Kevin's future? You know, it's interesting to think he had four outfits. Yeah. Uh... We know he did the international assassin, the cop. Let's assume that the first outfit, because he kind of showed up at the pond uh, wearing guilty remnant clothes, and we know for a fact that he was identifying with that mindset. Let's say the first time he went through wearing the guilty remnant clothes, is that a is that a nod to his future, the fact that he's going to you know attain his priestly or shamanistic vestments?
0: Well, I may entertain this idea more if I hadn't read. Uh, the interview with Lindelof because he says basically there was no other option for him, right? Like in that moment um, when he takes the International Assassin uniform, he's kind of narrowed down his second occurrence to only the Mapleton PD uniform because he doesn't identify with any of the others. Hmm. Interesting.
1: Um, we could ha- we could rehash our, uh, our our debate about authorial intent, if you sure. like Sure. No, I don't want to do that, <laughs> but we could. Listen to our season one coverage of True Detective if you want a lot of that. <laughs> uh jordan k did anyone else have a small flashback to holy wayne telling kevin wish granted as kevin looked around his house to find all his loved ones minus his dad while nora proclaimed your home i'm constantly amazed at the show is able to make me laugh out loud and cry in back-to-back scenes such a phenomenal show hope it gets renewed but i'd be okay if this is the finale i didn't get the flashback to holy wayne but it makes sense and it's actually in a more truer sense of the word that he's truly got a family now Whereas he was going through the motions, but on the other hand, I'm also like, "Well, shit, I thought that was a genuine moment in season one, and it's only through the journey of season two that I realized that was a little of a false moment, so now I'm back to not knowing, okay, but I'm still loving it i'm
0: I'm in the same boat, I'm not sure, all
1: right, Jordan. Uh, there's an ambiguous, interesting. leftoverish answer for you. Yep, Allison D. has some problems with the episode, and we're going to try to uh, talk her through it. Okay. I think we talked about a little bit this scattered, but she had so many points, and I wasn't sure how many we get to. Number one, the men you tell John about the palm print match looked like Federal Park Rangers. Why would they let him grab a gun and go confront Kevin in his home? I Honestly, I don't have an answer to that. And because I would... one of them was John Locke. <laughs> Didn't one of them look a lot like Terry O'Quinn? I actually thought Kevin, in some of his confrontations with John, looked a lot like Terry Quinn. Okay, like Maybe, the way he was. And, got and, and bit, a bit, like, nose. there was a Similar bit. Nose. There was a yeah, that kind of patrician. The, the, yeah, I forget exactly like a pope you, nose. Sure. Uh, there. <laughs> I feel like <laughs> there that, are many different types of pope
0: nose. By the way,
1: I feel like that um, there was. This was very. I'm, I'm starting to feel everyone talking about Lost because I felt like John Kevin was very lock. Uh, Uh, shit who's that fucker, Jack 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 and Locke Um. anyway, why would Kevin go to this is an easier one to answer, why would Kevin go with John Kevin knows how crazy John is if I was Kevin, I'd be like, we're sitting here on this lawn to talk this out while everyone watches (laughs) I think you're missing the fact that Kevin just came from the dead with special knowledge, revealed knowledge about this man's daughter, I felt like he thought it was almost a spiritual duty for him to, and he wasn't afraid yeah yeah. it's like, I'm going to tell this man the truth and be emotionally open to him and trust that this is what I need to do. Because that's what Virgil did to me. Yeah. I can get behind that. that. Uh, what is the point of the plastic explosives ruse? Why not just rush the bridge with the disappeared girls leading the charge? Also, if the bridge did blow, there's no way in. So why were the camp people cheering? I, I we, we talked, talked about, about why the camp that. people yep. cheering. I think the point was just to get the rangers to back off and give them time to really... Ba- to, to ensure that everyone was going to charge when the guilty remnant, you know, sounded the bell.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, four. Why didn't the police run out in the bridge to grab those girls and pull them out of danger? Because they're afraid of the plastic explosives. Yeah, man. You don't escalate a hostage situation. Yeah, Come on. Allison, you're, you're you're answering a bit of your own questions by with uh, with other questions. You it's would not Socratic be a good interview. negotiator. Sam Jackson would have your head for that. She'd be a good Socrates, though. Uh, why wouldn't Jardin be more prepared for a rush of people like that? There's a camp full of crazy people right outside the gate, and you have like four park rangers with sticks to hold them back. That's fair. The guilty remnant with no weapons can easily infiltrate the city, burn shit down, and take over the welcome center. So there's a couple things. They had guns. And there is a point where I think the Rangers had to make a decision whether they're going to start killing people or not. And you heard one yeah. of the Rangers specifically said, stand down, just let them through. Too many of them, yep. Because what the hell are you going to do? Kill a bunch of unarmed people? And like, even if you do, there were so many of them. How I feel like that they thought that the checkpoint... I mean, think about how many relatively well-defended places, like a courthouse downtown Cincinnati. You walk through that, you've got three or four cops... Uh, they got metal detectors, and they they the whole system is set up that a whole bunch of people, presumably there because they broke the law, some violently so, are going to queue up and go through the process and not rush the gates. If the guilty remnant came and did that, maybe a couple of them would die because I feel like cops would have no problem shooting people. But uh, several hundred people are going to get in and take that courthouse over. Yeah, yeah. So it's just sheer numbers. They like it's. It's an uncomfortable but also comforting thought that so many of the laws and societal protections kind of depend on us being sheep and just yeah. going along with it. Like, you see a, a guy, you see a, a, you see a police whatever, officer pulled over someone on the highway for probably going 75 into 65. That's bullshit. Every time you get pulled over at a ticket, it's like, that's bullshit. If we wanted to, we could all 50, 60 of just pull over and beat the shit out of that cop and leave him for dead in the ditch. But we don't sure we don't even though we all emphasize with we all empathize with the driver and not the police officer instant we don't because it's a rule of law and we respect that
0: yeah i think she's also making the point that like they should have seen this coming and been more prepared for it
1: i get it but how like
0: aside from like having a drawbridge there like what do you do yeah having a sudden
1: again are you going to slaughter innocent people yeah so and you know when this thing was conceived and built it's gone from 2 years ago a national park where they are welcoming people in and presumably true, didn't yeah. have giant to this thing where it's because I don't know that the government moves that quickly and it's like you know usually mm-hmm. they're reactionary like you don't you don't are you don't barricade and strengthen the cockpit doors until 9/11 happens you, sure. don't, you don't put up a whole bunch of Jersey barriers in all your uh, embassies worldwide until someone drives a truck full of explosives through. Mm-hmm. So, like, it never happened. Therefore, the stuff that they put in when the park first got built was considered sufficient. So that's – I know right. they're not all satisfying, but certainly not enough for me to hate the episode. Yeah. Maybe we got you some perspective there, Allison. Phil from Jersey City. Uh, can't say I love the Leftovers finale. This is the single. Allison is kind of like, I loved Ooh. it, but I don't like some of these things. This is like okay. uh, a legitimate negative take. I was really enjoying the season, especially the way the show was bold enough to teeter between the potentially supernatural and logical explanations for various plot and character mysteries. The first three quarters of this episode just felt forced and silly to me. Why did we need to have Mary suddenly wake up? To confirm that Matt had not been violating his comatose wife, I don't feel like there's any value to this plot development. Also, knowing that Kevin is actually rising from the dead did not leave me more satisfied. I'm still excited for a third season, but a little worried about the show going too far down the magical miracle route. Maybe there's something I missed and you guys can make me a true believer.
0: Okay, first point with Matt uh, and Mary waking up. So I think it does more than just say, hey, he didn't rape his wife. It also gives him a reason to go back into Jarden and be with his family again. Uh I'm not entirely certain why he doesn't just take that opportunity right off the bat. Like, when Mary is presented healthy and awake, and he goes, I still have stuff to do out here.
1: Well, also, he can't get in, even if he wanted to. There's a, still a problem with the fact that he's stuck outside here. With no wristband.
0: Okay, maybe that's what he means. That's what I thought. Like, now I can't, that he's done yeah, this yeah, like, shackles get, thing, you, I'm so glad to
1: hear, but you need to get the fuck right back in there, because I don't want anything to happen to his baby.
0: And if they take your wristband... <laughs> Uh, they don't don't let him see that. Yeah, okay, maybe that's it. Uh, But yeah, it does serve as a a reason for him to go back inside.
1: Yeah, I don't know if we can make you a true believer because, first of all, I would just say, like, why do you think that Kevin came back from the dead three times? What is your actual evidence? Do you not think that it's possible for a man to be shot and not die? Sure. Or a man to drink some... Poison, film at the mouth. And be buried for eight hours. Like, if if you go... If, you know, we, we want to talk authorial intent. The intent of, of those things was ambiguous. It could be that you are yeah. trained that someone gets shot in the gut, they die. Because that's where you always see it. But I'm telling you, freakish things happen that doesn't that don't kill people. So... Uh, yeah, and
0: I, I mean, I think it... Like, you know where I came down on it. I think it's supernatural. But, yeah. I, I mean, that's not necessarily... Like, it, it's kind of a, a. Just the compounding of all of these small things.
1: Yeah, and I feel like it's kind of a. It's a the fact that Lindelof said there's a definite. I guess he had to say that. That, one, you know, there's a definite feeling in the writer's room about what's going on here. And I feel like knowing that, I might. I want to come down on the supernatural side.
0: I don't know why, because he doesn't say either way. Yeah, but
1: when he says he thinks a lot about the afterlife and spirituality and how it's like, to me, that's the things he's interested in, so... And when
0: you know, I mean, he did this and Lost. Come on, people. And he wanted to make that show all about it, but he had to kind of trick the executives into greenlighting it.
1: And you know, it's uh, funny, I see see some, like, virtual screaming matches on The Leftovers every once in a while between people saying, there are no supernatural things on the show, and people saying... (laughs) Well, first of all, like they say, it's like, well, what about the, the sudden departure? And like, then they get in a screaming match of like, just because you can't explain something doesn't mean it's supernatural, jackass. That's how we got into the religion in the first place. If people be like, certainly, that ball in the fire, it comes and it goes. Don't know why. We'll figure it out sometime. Like, you start spinning myths to explain everything. And that that's the way to darkness. And the other people like, well, the literal definition of supernaturals, things that cannot be explained in the natural world. To me, that's that's like arguing whether a zebra is a black horse with white stripes or a white horse with black stripes. Mm-hmm. Like, who cares? <laughs> who cares? Yeah, anyway. that's not the question that you should be looking to answer with this show, I guess. Uh, he also says, one other thing I've been wanting to know from last week but didn't hear anyone address. If Matt made scathing pamphlets about the departed, why did he make one about Meg's mother who died on October 13th? In case oh, anyone else oh. is wondering, that the whole the, the what you're missing out on is Matt changed his mission after his his spiritual job experience, and now he wanted to get to uh, reach the guilty remnant, and he was doing that yeah by focusing on the people inside it and trying to understand why they're there, and that's and in he his his uh, his shot hit the mark, mm-hmm. uh, really fucked up Meg. Sean M. wanted to know, or let us know that it's not just Spotify people joining in the fun. He's actually got a Google Play playlist of the music from The Leftovers uh, that he's also updated with music from the finale. So I'm going to share that link in the show notes this week as well. Uh, Barry C. from the UK says, Officially the single best season of TV I've ever seen, knocking Breaking Bad Season 4 off its podium. There you go. I agree. I agree. I've said it once and for all. I, I agree. I'm not going... I mean... I don't how will I feel in three to four to five years? So yeah. that's my gut feeling, but also yeah. you know, it's the greatest comeback I've ever seen in my forty years of watching football. So
0: Yeah, I'm I'm surprised that I would ever have even had this conversation, you know? Like with how much I like Breaking Bad.
1: Oh, but come on. That's like saying your sixteen year old self can't imagine you'd see a movie greater than Empire Strikes Back. You know, like, but I, I'm not
0: 16. I know, but I'm I don't like, have no experience with this I, stuff.
1: I, I will say I'll, I'll make a statement. I don't think it's bold. I bet I live another 40 years on this planet, at least. And I bet I will see something that I connect with more than the season of the leftovers. Like, I just choose not to believe my life is peaked. Okay. Maybe <laughs> I'm Maybe. open to greater experiences. Um, I didn't say it's the best thing I will have ever seen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you said you were surprised that you didn't... I, I, my implication, I guess, is that you never thought anything would be better than Breaking Bad.
0: I guess I wouldn't think like a season two of a show that was good but not
1: amazing. That's true. It took Breaking Bad it's like, three, four seasons to get to its highest gear. Why would... And it couldn't
0: have done it without the three seasons before it. So like, man, yeah. I don't know. yeah. You're right. I, I can't say, like, I'll never see anything better. Certainly, sure. But.
1: Um, with a show as bleak as The Leftovers, he continues, it can take certain liberties where it has a brief moment of joy. When Matt and his wife were reunited, I got a huge lump in my throat. Many other shows that have let us have just that one breadcrumb, but when we saw all the extended Garvey family together, it was a truly joyful moment. Reminds me of the moment when Bubbles finally is invited upstairs to have dinner with his sister in the wire. Gets me every time. Uh, and, yes, that was a wire spoiler. That's a shot over all your alls bows. Like I, I've been, I've up to now, I've avoided the the heavy wire references and spoilers because I don't want to ruin it for you. But it's been too long.
0: <laughs> don't worry, there
1: are so many characters you will have forgotten. Yeah, you're not going to remember who the Fuck there. Bubbles is by the time you watch it. And but, yep. but I'm just saying, like you know, next I'm going to spoil the Bunk and McNulty sex scene. <laughs> That's the best one in my opinion. Yep, and it gets worse from there. So you better <laughs> start watching. Uh, I love the fact, and they'll be like, well, you better start doing a podcast about it, and then I'll be like. <laughs> Fuck you very much. You've got me. Uh, I love the fact that essentially... (laughs) Fuck you, Erica. (laughs) And not in the respectful Lindelof... No, uh, no. Marty way. In the backed into a corner kind of way. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) I love the fact that essentially all mysteries are answered and all loose ends are tied. Instead of leaving a cliffhanger, all the best stand-up comedians write a new hour special every year and kill their old material because it forces them to be better. In my opinion, the same happened with The Leftovers. No cliffhangers means the possibilities are endless for season three as long as HBO sees the sense and greenlights it. I agree. I want every season to go down like this. Yeah. they—they, they,
0: I, I liked his philosophy um, that he described and, and the writers in general on kind of wanting to have this arc that the, the season hangs on and yep. wrap it up. Um, they said that, you know, Evie's disappearance and the girl's disappearance was uh, that kind of thing that they hung the whole season on but you know other stuff happens
1: sure Uh, Anthony B says wow I've never teared up during a TV show before but the end scene with John and Kevin in the hospital broke my crybaby virginity All right. yeah this show is awesome by the end of it I was smiling ear to ear when the whole family was back together despite the fact the town looks like an apocalyptic music festival so essentially like um, the gathering of the Juggalos
0: yeah yeah with rave music instead of bad pseudo metal <laughs> rap rap metal. i think
1: the juggalo family is is why is a big enough tent to embrace rave music how dare you you think so i don't know
0: i don't know i don't really know anything about
1: him no i've seen the american juggalo documentary it's a hoot
0: i have too it's i would i horrifying. would horrifying
1: love to go to the gathering i will never if i was 10 years younger anywhere. and had and had no dependence i would probably go just from okay. a anthropology standpoint Sure. The only thing I'm super confused about is how Tom ended up uh, leaving Meg's side. Do you think it was because they had that exchange about family being everything? Yeah. I feel like him crossing the bridge and seeing Nora and Lily and knowing he could make a difference right there in that moment snapped whatever his problem was. I think so. I could be wrong. I don't think he's going back to this the could GR. be a This could be a false uh, epiphany, kind of like Kevin had at the end of last season, in which case I welcome the more Tommy stuff because Tommy's yeah, yeah. another underserved character.
0: There's something about watching a show when you know that so many other fans are watching it and experiencing it, uh, and having getting as much pleasure from it as you are, uh, that even heightens those moments while you're watching in isolation, right? Yeah. What if, like, like, I know that when these beats are hitting, there are a million other people sitting on their couches doing like the getting misty-eyed and doing the same thing I'm doing, cheering and.
1: What What if this show was as big as Game of Thrones? Oh, Do man. you think this would have been like the biggest? number of people calling in the work or do you think any work would be done like on Mondays like people just come in and ha- hold a therapy session probably yeah I mean I uh, maybe, maybe like it's good I'm picturing for, maybe like a good comic-con worldwide with... pro- productivity <laughs> And, this show is huge, and yeah, gross domestic productivity. That we don't don't all watch this at the same time. This needs to be slowly yeah. discovered, and diffused. you got to let go slowly, <laughs> like a spring. It's
0: weird because that's the same kind of camaraderie I felt during Lost, right? And I think, mm. I for some reason, I'm able to identify in that way with Lindelof's material. I don't know.
1: Uh, moving on to Jeremy C. When, where is my mind plays during John and Kevin's conversation at the clinic, I had a feeling that John was seeing ghost Kevin like ghost, like Kevin saw ghost Patty. Not possible, right?
2: Hmm.
1: So I started, I started, I started so. to be like dismissal, but we don't know that Kevin is still alive.
0: I mean, like what if Kevin, what if Kevin, say what if Kevin the is and- on
1: pat on john the same way patty was on kevin and john and and kevin went back to the house and this is all just happening like in a spiritual or imaginary place
0: so the problem i think with that is pov right because we never saw pov of patty after she was dead we do see pov of kevin after him and john part
1: yeah so I, i would feel a little betrayed by the pov there I don't. But, know. I mean, it depends on how they do it. But I, I initially was like, I wasn't going to read this. I mean, that's ridiculous. But then I thought, wait a second. Wow. Okay. I can't. I, I mean, it's possible. I mean, you'd also have to. And anytime, I. How yeah, do you
0: explain the smiles from his family when he opens his door in the kitchen? Like
1: because those are his family's not really there. Like it's kind of impossible. Wait. So we're seeing a sitting. ghost
0: hallucinating his own family?
1: Yeah. Okay. This is what's going through John's mind as he's dying. John or Kevin's I'm mind? I'm sorry, Kevin. And then we also the, the one intersection is where John and him have a, an honest conversation. But No. Okay. No, I, it, it doesn't line don't up think, for me. Yeah, but... I don't think it's, it's, it's not not possible, and I'm not even saying I'd be angry if it happened. Okay. But, you know, we'll see. Doug from Astoria, Queens. Uh, oh, this is interesting uh, and very cool. So thanks for mentioning the renew the cast, the leftovers, guilty remnant meetup plans in last week's podcast. Once you pondered, do you think it's dumb? I knew it's something I had to do. Uh, he also included a picture of him and the rest. He he showed up as a guilty remnant member, uh, cosplaying and slash protesting HBO uh and yeah, it's I very that. cool it said uh however i probably shouldn't have waited until sunday to get pants as these thermal long johns from the dollar store were the only option <laughs> i gotta say that's that's doctor who level courage to show up in the nut huggers no they couldn't on a, on a like december tj
0: maxx isn't gonna sell you anything
1: man can you get a t te- is there a, te- is there a te- tj maxx downtown oh shit, New York? Yeah. shit really? yeah i've been to one sure okay well there you go you got first hand knowledge Glenn from Texas. As a Christian, I really appreciate you guys not bagging on us believers as well. I'm in no means a holy roller, but I am a God-fearing individual, and I hate it when I listen to other podcasts, and they constantly crap on religion just because it's not what they believe. So thank you, guys. I've, I've done that in the past. I don't know we crap on religion. I think I've religion.
0: come to a more mature view on oh, yeah. religion. Plus, it does. But, yeah, I was very resentful and shit all over religion for a long time.
1: It also doesn't hurt that, like, I was the fundiest of fundamentalists. Not sure. even a decade ago, and so like it's hard for me to like, oh, what a bunch of fucking idiots! Like I'm just condemning myself,
2: and like That's I feel true. like
1: yeah, th- the best way to approach this gulf between atheism and Christians is I feel like these Christians are a few or any religious person is a few personal revelations and life experiences away from realizing they're an atheist, and I feel like. Christians, probably the reasonable ones, stare across at us and be like, You're a few life experiences and revelations sure. away from joining us. And that's fine. <laughs> because it's nothing I can do to change your mind and nothing you can do to change your mind. You got to let God or science play the dice. So, yeah, and I feel like there's, there, Glenn.
0: there are a couple of different approaches to trying to help people along that path. Maybe like one is emotional and one is. But all you can do uh, is engaging is, your you can brain in one is engaging your heart.
1: path are already taken. You can't yeah. make them yeah. walk a path. Uh my only problem with this episode is being a Texan, there's no way in hell a Texas town would have let that cult and all those damn hippies in their town without a fight. You can't tell <laughs> me that over nine thousand people in the town there aren't at least fifteen thousand guns in their homes. <laughs> that's what we said about Isaac. Like no way. Yeah, yeah. No way. Yeah, yeah, no. It's that's probably <laughs> a true statement. Sure. Although, I don't know. Maybe we found, you know, maybe when they made it a state, a uh, national park. As far as I know, you're not allowed guns inside a national park.
0: Oh, they took away all of the guns? John's got John one, because, because. John can do whatever the fuck he's he wants. The king he's the, of miracle, The Batman of
1: miracle, but. <laughs> uh-huh. Miracle man. Uh, thanks for writing in, Glenn. Andy S. said, after watching for that, I couldn't help but see the parallels uh, more deeply into the Kevin Jesus references. Every time he died, drowning, poison, and shot, it was at night, refer- referencing the three nights Jesus spit in the tomb. So I guess there's the three, it's not exactly three deaths, but okay. three nights spent dead uh-huh. is certainly a possibility. I think the third death slash emergence for Kevin was symbolic of the resurrection because he finally has become the man he wants to be, a man of family. He fought so hard and longed to be there for his family, and he kept fucking things up. So him finally yep. being with his family in what we can presume as a stable mindset is him becoming the man he is supposed to be. Also, just yeah. a quick side note, could Kevin forgiving John at the end of the finale be like the story of Jesus forgiving Peter for denying him Jesus' resurrection from John 21? I think there are strong hmm. parallels. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. Um, there's the Doubting Thomas real strong parallel. And there is the Peter. De- but I I felt like that he's much a, more of a doubting John, a Doubting Thomas than a denying Peter.
0: I mean, he's been denying all along, right? Like that's kind of his thing—is denying no miracles and miracle, yeah, I guess that that's sort true. of thing. Not, not necessarily like directly to Kevin, but yeah. I mean, the denial is certainly
1: there. Yeah, but no, I love how the whole the whole Babylonian thing came—you know—the prediction of yeah. doom it come coming true. The town mm-hmm. being destroyed after the Them water flooding is in. It's yep. yeah, it's pretty, the, the
0: reverse yeah, Babylon as we called it. I think
1: yeah. Um. Then uh Tommy grabbing Nora on the bridge and giving her shelter after she's robbed of her baby seemed like a good Samaritan reference. Yeah, maybe. Uh although
0: Samaritans are strangers, right? Yeah, the, good Samaritan a, is a stranger lesson.
1: Not only that, but like I guess the Samaritans and Jews hated each other. Oh so it's yeah. more of like not just, just helping out a stranger, it's helping out a stranger that you'd be predisposed to not help out. And I guess depending on how you feel about stepmoms render. and <laughs> Uh, no, younger, Tommy cuter versions the of your past self uh, maybe, maybe to some of that, but no, I don't feel like he's inclined to hate Nora. Uh-huh. But he is inclined to uh, the, the thing I'm really fascinated in is the fact that that is Holy Wayne's baby. Sure. That he is saving.
0: Where do they go with that? Because they didn't really do much of anything with Lily this time except... And he
1: has to know that too. Maybe that's what really, maybe that's what called him off the path the fact that like, oh shit like this has got to mean something. Could be. A, a, a different just interesting way to go uh how are we leaving this Jim are we gonna come back next week for a wrap up I don't feel like there's a lot to talk about with I don't either up. like I'm sure we'll get emails and stuff and some of it might be interesting but like i i don't feel the need to like I don't feel like there's enough unexplained things that I need to get a handle on and I don't really yeah. am interested in a lot of theories about what's going to happen next. And I don't really want to be interested in a lot of theories about how to explain those holes because I feel like they will be explained.
0: Yeah. I think the ones that I really need to be explained, uh, like I said, are all just the family ones and yeah. everything else. I leave to vagaries of the plot. Like they don't need to tell me every single, I know that Virgil hurt John. Yeah. Do I need to know anything else? Sure. No, that's motivation enough for his actions. Right. Uh I, I I don't I don't know. I don't care to talk about next season because I don't feel like we know anything
1: yeah about next season. I mean, I know it's sad to say goodbye to the leftovers and I I kind of feel the pressure from a just that standpoint, like I don't I'm not ready to be done with this show, but I don't know how much more use we could be.
0: You know, if they don't renew it, maybe we should do one final one. Hmm. just to sum up the series but i'd if they renew it i don't see any sense in talking about like yeah here's what we need to happen if or... they
1: renew it if they if if they renew it we'll be back before the next season with a preview podcast podcast we'll sure. get all primed yeah. up if they don't renew it within a week or two of the announcement we will do a podcast that kind of wraps up the series and we'll, I think you know, that's we'll, fair. We'll yeah. spread out through social media and say like HBO has done the unthinkable; they pulled the plug. Uh, let's, let's do a roundup of all the unanswered questions. Let's theorize let's speculate. Let's do, mm-hmm. yeah. So let's, let's do, let's, I think that's a good way to leave it.
0: Yeah. So check that out. I mean, it'll be sometime in January if they don't renew And again,
1: it. if the perfect way to stay in touch is, to uh, subscribe to bald move on Facebook and Twitter because all of our releases go through there. So you'll know, you'll hear about it. Yeah. Except for unless Zuckerberg decides that even though <laughs> you signed up and like bald move, you don't really want to see every one of our updates because that's right. a goddamn struggle. Uh, that's okay, it. Leftovers. Cool. I mean, I'll talk with you about it. Leftovers at ballmove. dot com. Get on our forums. Another great go. way. Forums at dot com. If you're not ready for it to be over, we got a whole forum dedicated to the leftovers, and uh, it's got a lot of smart people talking a lot of smart stuff about it. Yeah, uh, I'm one of them. So uh, well, well, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Oh yeah, I guess that was a little big headed. I'm one <laughs> of the guys. This guy. I'm not saying I'm the particularly smart one. Uh, okay. I think I, I think I am the smart one now. I think the, the, the last time the worms <laughs> turned, I ended up being somehow being a smart guy. Okay. Uh, by, by Tom from Volkswagen's estimation. All right. That's a lot of uh, inside references. Forums Forums.baldmove.com. We will see you either before next season or with heavy hearts that we know we're not going to get anymore. Yeah. Uh, Netflix, step up. <laughs> <laughs> right. Snatch this. Uh, Hulu. There's still there Hulu. Amazon. Somebody. Somebody. Yep. How much, how much fucking – can I sign up for a Hulu double plus good version to get this thing done <laughs> if, if it comes you to that? To, yeah. yeah. Uh, but no, we've had a lot of fun. Yep. Obviously, it's been great uh, you know, seeing the show grow. And, and uh, even though it wasn't growing from audience, it seemed like internet interest and critics, like it was getting a lot of dap and it's been rewarding. It's been great having this conversation with all you guys and gals for the past 10 weeks. Yeah. So we will see you sometime in the future. See you on the other side. see ya